Welcome to the Hog Call Podcast. This is Chad. And this is Tim. Be sure to subscribe to the Hog Call on your favorite podcast directory. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever you'd like, we're on them all. The Hog Call is only live, real-time, uncut, uncensored, Razorback podcast. Created by fans for fans. Friend us on Facebook at Hog Call Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Hog Call Podcast. Chad runs the Facebook page and Tim runs the Twitter page. Support the Hog Call Podcast by helping us spread the word. Give us a five-star rating and leave a comment, even if it's just Go Hogs. This will go a long way to allow other Razorback fans find the podcast more easily. If you'd like to throw a tip our way, you can support the podcast financially by clicking on the link in the show description. We're counting on fan support. Do you have something Hog Call Nation needs to hear? Leave a voicemail by clicking the link in the description below or send an email to hogcallpodcast.gmail.com. Well, it's good to get that mess out of the way. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Chad. Pretty good. Got a special show coming up tonight. Got a very special guest, and then we get to talk some basketball and and Razorback football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be exciting to talk to Greg later and and hear him. Uh, It was just a really wonderful interview. Uh, It was a really insightful interview, and I think everybody's really, really going to enjoy it. So uh, after the break, you will have that then we're gonna have some coaching stuff uh, towards the end but we have decided to move basketball to the forefront being that uh, that is the name of the game right now and i'll tell you i should i should be more upset than i am but i'm not i feel like we played that lsu game really hard and it uh i feel like we're going in the right direction basketball wise even though we took a loss yeah, and to start the season off one and zero against A and M, you know you got a kind of a head start in conference, and you going on the road, you wanted to split LSU and Ole Miss. And last night, I think kind of we we're just talking about moving basketball to the first segment. It's just you know a lot of people. We had a sold out crowd last Saturday, so the excitement's there. A lot of people were definitely watching that road game last night, and we battled. Um, not one of our best games, but I mean we got outscored twenty six to nothing on second chance points, and hmm. still. Still had a chance at the end of the game to win it. It's, it's crazy. The effort was there, though. I think that's why I don't, I'm not too upset. There's 16 more conference games to go, and I bet we uh, – I think LSU's one of – or maybe our last home game of the year. So, I bet we get that one back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I still feel like they fouled us at the end twice uh, at the last possession. So, I think we should have went to the free throw line there. Um and then that would have been a win, probably, or at least tied it up. Um, yeah, where we in that game, we were seventeen out of eighteen in free throws. I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we would have at least hit two out of three or all three if we would have got fouled behind the three point line. Yeah, I mean, it was clear that their hand hit, you know, our our uh, shooter's arm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was just clear as a day, and it, it did it again in the second one. So. <laughs> and and the fact that coming off that possession, the refs called three straight and ones, not just you know. I mean, it's one thing to call three straight possessions of fouls or shooting fouls, but you know, kind of some three straight and one calls. Some of those were pretty uh, 
ticky tack. I know one uh, which fouled out Mason Jones with left him unable to, you know, be checked on by the defense in that last possession, getting you know making Isaiah Joe get double teamed. Um, but he got fouled out, and I didn't even see him, you know, touch the guy. And they called an and one, and uh, but then they swallowed the whistle and don't call anything on the last possession. But didn't Jones like throw the ball or something like that? And that kind of no, that was Cheney in the at the end of the first half. That, oh, okay. So... They got mad, got him his fourth foul, and never saw the game again. Yeah. Oh, well, goodness, it was rough. It was a rough game, and uh, you know, the thing that was you know listening to uh, Coach Musselman, he said basically like. You know, it was ridiculous that we got uh, owned on the glass and that, uh, you know, we had to do better and make some changes. So I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. Uh, maybe if we could keep Cheney in, give him some more time. I don't know. Um, I don't think the height disadvantage will be as much of an issue at Ole Miss. I feel like we are really top-notch athletes i think we'll be able to go in there and, and play really well with their size and, and that team so you know we got that going for us but i think against you know lsu maybe they can you know i don't know you know i think they were, it seems like they put up a bunch of th- threes to me you know of course i've you know said this a lot but at the same time i mean it's keeping us in the game sometimes so I guess, you know, shooting it from dang near half court, you know, is a long three. And you're not hitting those. It's it's tough when you see them attempt that two or three times in a game, you know. Yes, especially, you know, when it goes in, it's pretty. When it doesn't, it's like, damn, what the hell are you shooting way out there for? And, you know, Isaiah didn't even have a, have a point in the first half. He goes two out of nine from threes. But, yeah, we shot at 32%. And, you know, doubled up them, you know, we held them to 26%. Again, playing some really good three-point defense and, um, you know, still made, you know, 18 shots inside the three-point line, you know, 17 out of 18 free throws who so we were getting to the free throw line. Um, really just came, came down to not rebounding well enough. And they did have a little height advantage, but a lot of it, they, they got some pretty good athletes. And, um, you know, uh, it was hard to match them physically too. You know, Darius stays their guy that had what, 16 rebounds. He's only, I mean, he's only 6'6". Six, six, mm-hmm. You know, he's 240. Just more of a uh, a bigger bigger presence um, than Bailey. And, you know, Chaney, he plays seven, eight minutes. He didn't even have one rebound. So he didn't give us when he wasn't there anything. And he had four fouls in the first half. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got to step up. Uh, he just hadn't recovered. Um, everybody expected a little bit. I'm sure he expected more. Must have expected more out of him, but. Mm-hmm. He just got suspended those first three games this year. Just hadn't come on, but somebody's going to have to. Well, here's the thing: about the rebounds too. That you know, everybody's been saying, "Hey, you know, they just totally out rebounded us. It was horrible. Uh, it was you know, twenty four. Uh, we had twenty four rebounds. They had fifty three. And yeah, that's bad. But when you look at steals and you you factor in those eight steals to those rebounds, and they're one steal. Uh, we're doing a much better job of, of getting the ball from them, taking the ball from them. But we have to score in those situations when we make that happen. There were several times where we made that transition, got to the other end of the court, and couldn't score. And this is the same time that LSU was in a slump. So you got to capitalize when you get these teams in a slump. 
Yeah, I think I think the worst thing about those rebounds pretty nice. Thirteen out of well, that was the first half, thirteen out of thirty-three, fourteen out of three in the second half. So not very good, forty percent for the game. We just mm-hmm. should have limited them. Just you know, we we're letting them get to the basket, um, and uh, they're just they could either throw it if they they got to the basket, they either throw it up if it doesn't make it, they either get fouled or or another guy, one of the LSU guys, they're all crashing. All five of their guys, they're crashing the the boards. So one of those outcomes are going to happen. They still only shoot that low because we weren't allowing them from anywhere else. But that was about mm-hmm. their only offense. But we did have. You know, 15 points from those. You know, uh, we forced them to 13 turnovers from those eight steals and had 16 fast break points to their four. So we're we're definitely more aggressive as far as trying to get uh, up and down the court because that's all they were doing is crashing the boards. But if we would have done a little bit bet more, you know, would have even well. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing that we just get outscored 26 to nothing, second chance points and things like that. But we only turned the ball over seven times. I mean, yeah. they're not one steal on their part. I mean, we hit 94% on free throws, you know, um, and, you know, 44% from the paint. I mean, that's pretty good, you know. Um, so, I mean, we, we played a, a good game. It's not like we played a bad game. We just, we lost. We just didn't come out on top. Uh, Jimmy Witt getting the most time with 40 minutes in this game. Uh, Mason Jones getting 38 minutes. Uh, Seals getting 32. Isaiah Joe getting 30. Adriel Bailey getting 29, uh, Chaney getting six minutes, uh, Jalen Harris getting 20, and Ethan Henderson getting two minutes. And one of the interesting things that Coach Must said was, well, we got to get more guys off the bench, bench contributing. Um, and that was one of the things he said at his press conference. So what do you think we might see with that statement? Repeat that. That we need to get some more guys off the bench. Contributing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought that's what you're saying. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. That's he doesn't like to play. For, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna have to. Somebody's gonna have to step up. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he's just, like Gentile Silla didn't even play this time. He was supposed to be a grad senior come in and give him something, but he hadn't done anything. So Silla, Ethan Henderson's gonna have to take a step, and Cheney's gonna have to be. Mm-hmm. to his old self so i mean the guards i mean we're playing with five four guard five guard lineups so i mean we don't really need it's not an issue of not having any guards come off the bench it's just an issue of somebody in the front court forwards somebody to give us something because that's not gonna be the last team that crashes the boards like all five of their guys running in for an offensive rebound because they know exactly you know but not not every team's as reactive to rebounds as lsu they're pretty much just trying to you know out athlete us and stuff so um, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a lot of teams that try to do that as far as crashing the board. So we're going to have to figure something out. I like Jim, Jimmy Witt, man, getting 22 points. I mean, almost the same amount as Mason Jones who got 24, which is just amazing. And the thing about it is his free throws are like, I'll watch them and I'm like, what is this? It's like, he's like a self-trained basketball player or something. Uh, shooting from the chest and, and I'm like what in the world but he is so good at that style um, it's really impressive yeah definitely in that game you know for the season he I could be a little bit better but I definitely think he's I think in those kind of some close games like this he was knocking them down when we really needed in the um, in this ball game hit like four in the second half just swish 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 you know yeah 
Yeah, and he had a big game just coming in. I mean, if he's nine out of thirteen, I mean that's what sixty something percent just him alone, and he's he's knocking. You know, he don't take threes, so that's I mean that's that's pretty high efficiency for him to, you know, get twenty two points all inside just from five feet five feet out, seven feet out. Mm-hmm. But he's got also got to help a little bit more with those rebounds too. Only three from him playing forty minutes. You know, one of our taller guards, he's going to be expected to grab more than that. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to see Chaney turn it up and and play a real good, you know, game and just kind of be able to come back and contribute. Um, I think that'll help us a lot. Yeah, and there's a play in the, you know, it just didn't do much in the A&M game. You know, really only scored off of, you know, we passed the ball around, you know, like a really nice looking uh ball movement and he got an open layup and he's got potential he's only taken 21 shots on the year cheney has hit 71 percent of them you know he averaged three and a half rebounds only playing 14 and a half minutes so um i don't know he's he's got it in him so it's not like wow he's playing above himself he's playing above his talent there's something there's something going on there there's no reason to think with 16 conference games to go not let alone the sec tournament and the NCAA tournament and another non-conference game against TCU at home. Mm-hmm. So you're at least a minimum of 18 more games. There's nothing, and we've played 14 so far, so there's nothing saying he can't something click and him just come out and be a beast of a power forward we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe Coach Muss, you know, gets, gets a hold of him and talks to him and gets whatever it is turn around. It'd be great to see, you know, uh, him come out and contribute heavily, especially like maybe going in Ole Miss and maybe he gets in there and gets hot or goes at Vanderbilt, you know, where you're playing mm-hmm. a, a a team that's easier to, you know, and he gets his legs under him in those two games. So I know he didn't get the chance to play some at the beginning of the year, but goodness gracious, you know, he's he's got to start, you know, bringing a little bit more to the table. I, I mm-hmm. think. And I think the reason I say it is because I thought like he was he might be the breakout player of the year, you know. So. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, no. From the freshman year, you really thought he was going to turn. Um, mm-hmm. His second year, whatever, under um, Must just hasn't lived up to it. And yeah, he's played eleven games, so it's been a while since those first couple games. You thought he'd knock the rest off by the first or second, so something's going on. And he's Must was kind of pissed, I think, after the press conference last night. The reporters kept asking him couple times about the tech you know he obviously tell you what we're going to talk about anymore and just said somebody's going to have to step it up exactly well i don't know do we got anything else to say about this lsu game i mean we should have won it we didn't uh, you no know, i, I mean, think we called you called it pretty close you, you said it was going to be a close game i thought mm-hmm. you know it might be a little bit easier to win but it's just probably the fan and me coming out Oh, yeah, no, I, I always, man. I, I mean, we did the opposite on the Texas A&M game. Um, and it was a winnable game. So they're, they're a couple points lost by two to LSU on the road, lost by in overtime to Western Kentucky on the road. So, you know, they're this close from being 14-0. and 0. And um, I know you can turn that around and Jones doesn't hit that 30-foot bank shot against Georgia Tech. We might have another loss. I've traded one of those. But uh, this is a good team. It's hard to just be too mad because you still feel like you're one of the best teams in the SEC. But you've got to – you really need to go 2-0, and um, you know, uh, 
with, with um, sorry, the um, you got to go two and zero this week against Ole Miss and Vandy because yeah. if you really want to compete, which I think we're good enough to compete for the SEC championship, you got to keep pace with Auburn and Kentucky. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, um, you know that being said, that's that's uh, where we're going next to play Ole Miss, and uh, you know they have uh, they had a pretty you know okay start to their year, not not too bad. Uh, they went and beat uh, Arkansas State, and they went over and beat uh, Norfolk State, uh, beat Western Michigan, uh, beat Seattle. Uh, beat Memphis, or I'm sorry, lost Memphis by a point. Uh, so that was a close one. Mm-hmm. Memphis is 21 in the nation. Uh, yeah. Then they went over to Penn State, beat them, who's 20th in the nation, mm-hmm. uh, by just a couple points. Um, got beat real bad by Oklahoma State. That was a 37 to 78 game. Just crazy. Wow. Just got beat down. Embarrassed. <laughs> Then went over and played Butler, did a little better, uh, got beat. And, of course, they're number six team in the nation, 67-58. Then they uh, played CSUB and beat them, uh, beat Middle Tennessee, uh, beat Southeast Louisiana, uh, beat uh, Tennessee Tech, got beat by Wichita State, who's 23 in the nation. Um, Went over and... uh, got beat by Texas A&M, so not looking too good for them. I mean, it's not a horrible start to the year, but at the same time, all their losses are, are from really, you know, pretty formidable teams, except for the, you know, Texas A&M loss. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, they haven't got crept up on by one Tex or Middle Tennessee's, but they just haven't been. I mean, that, that Oklahoma State 37-78 stands out. Mm-hmm. And then this past weekend, scoring only 47 lesson. You know, they gave up, I think, a 10-point lead or so to Texas A&M mm-hmm. and only score 47 points in that game. So this is a team that, with, with our defense, and I think we're going to come out strong after that LSU lost. Um, so uh, I feel like it's because I think that was the worst defensive efficiency as far as those numbers go against LSU. Um, so I think we're going to come out pretty strong against LSU or Ole Miss, and it feels like a team we can – slow down to, you know, keep under 60 points, maybe even 50. But they're a team that was, you know, they went to the NCAA tournament last year kind of out of nowhere. That was one of those teams, you know, we didn't play too well against, um, especially at that place last year. We were really never in that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year they had tournament expectations too. They got Tyree coming back, and um, who was the SEC leading scorer last year, or one of the top scorers in the conference last year. Um, and then you got Shuler coming back. He was, you know, averaged 10 points last year, does it again this year. So those are the two main guys, the guards. And uh, Blake Henson has kind of been battling some stuff, but he's 6'7". You know, they expected more from him him this year. And kind of disappointing, though. You know, they kind of expected more to compete against teams like, I mean, Penn State was a solid win. They're losing to Memphis by one wasn't bad, but, you know, Oklahoma State really stands out because they're just not – I think Oklahoma State maybe did start off a little better, but they haven't been very good of a team here lately, I know. And Butler's decent, but losing A&M's not very good. Our, if, if we were playing in Bud Walton, we'd sure run them out of the building. But I think, mm-hmm. we gotta, I think we're going to beat them anyways. But oh, yeah. uh, they definitely play better at home. A lot of folks travel well over there from Arkansas, too, though. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, looking at on the year, they, they're averaging 69 points per game. 
and their mm. opponents are averaging 65 points per game. So, I mean, they're they're keeping the scores low on both sides, except for, you know, when they played Butler and whatnot, and they just did what they wanted to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're trying to, like, slow the game down and make it a, you know, more of a defensive-style basketball. So hopefully we can come in there and, and we can play our game and not get in a trap a lot of people have gotten into against Ole Miss and, and played their game, you know? Yeah, we've got to increase the tempo. Um, A&M kind of got us down to that. That's kind of why we, you know, really 69 points against them, and they kind of controlled the tempo. We we can't really let Ole Miss do that, let them kind of get into one of those games with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely a team, yeah, they don't – they're just – they've been disappointing. Um you know, some of their other guys just uh, like Buffins. He's been okay. Um, but just nothing really sticks out. Tyree's been really good, but he can do it. And he's a guy that can, you know, score obviously 17 points a game, you know, can rebound the ball mm-hmm. from that guard spot, can pass out of there. So comes down to guard play, and I think we got the better guards. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting, you know, uh, game to watch when they go play Florida, which is who they're going to play after us, because mm-hmm. you know you can get an idea of what Florida's going to like uh, mm-hmm. when we play them. You know, so um, that's pretty that's pretty cool. So it's kind of way the games line up or whatnot. Yeah, that, that's always good. I love a uh, SEC conference basketball season, especially doing get to kind of watch the teams how they're playing that's ahead of us. I couldn't watch it last night, but the next team we'll talk about, Vanderbilt, played within Auburn within a couple points. He's undefeated, obviously, in the top five in the nation. Mm. Um, I really wanted to watch that game, but they played at the same time we did last night and didn't get a chance before we recorded to watch that one. So that's always something fun to do, and that'll be a good one. Ole Miss, Florida mm-hmm. as well next week. Absolutely. So, you know uh, – not a bad team, you know. I, you know, I watched a, a couple of the games, and you know they they shot some threes and and uh, you know played kind of an outside ball game, I guess. Um, really focusing more on the well, not more, but focusing a lot on three point shot, kind of playing a real balanced game, I would say. But they couldn't hit free throws for anything. And that's where we really got a big advantage on them. Yeah, for sure. They're uh, uh, they don't get to the don't get to the line too much. You know, looking back, I get to watch some of the A and M Ole Miss game. I guess Tuesday night they played. Really interested to see how A and M stacked up against them. We saw the last couple of minutes, but I was surprised mm-hmm. that Ole Miss just had that big lead. You know, Tyree scores twenty six points out of their forty seven. Mm-hmm. But he's also got four turnovers, four out of their ten turnovers. He's a guy that will turn the ball over, too. But he's he's six out of 13 from threes. The rest of the team is one out of 14. And those guys will still jack it. Henson took six shots over six. Schuler took one out of five. So yeah. they do. Um, they really don't have much of a much of an inside presence. I mean, you got in that game, Tyree hits ten field goals. Schuler hits five. The rest of the team combines for three. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot coming from – any position besides those two guard spots. They just they're having a tough time scoring. This Kadeem Sai, he's six ten, two forty, but he's just not much of a um you know, much of a threat scoring wise. I mean, unless he gets just an open he averages nine points a game, but against us, even though we're a little shorter, not just a dominating big man. Well he didn't seem to play as physical 
as you would think somebody no. would play at that size. Um, when I was watching him, he, you know, he played down low and he played like a big guy, but he, I don't know, maybe if it's just he didn't have the quickness. I, I don't know what it is, but just didn't seem as you know physical and and to have as much movement as some of the other big guys that I've seen. Well, he's a guy that came from Senegal, so he probably grew up playing soccer, you know, more of a finesse, kind of finesse thing, and then he went to junior college when he came over here, so he's he hasn't played at this level, um, you know, for probably all his, you know, at least the last couple of years. This is really is, I think, first or second year with, second year with Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So he's not, he's not as physical as even some of those, with some of those guys with LSU. So it's not a team I'm real thinking we're just going to get, uh, really dominated from uh, the guy, their inside guy, a and Nebo, he had 17 points, nine rebounds. So he had a pretty good, yeah, you know, and, and definitely they, out-rebounded on Miss. So. When they played A&M, uh, the Miller kid was the one that was getting all the rebounds for him, which was really interesting because, you know, you would think that the, you know, the, the superstar, whatever, it was Miller and, and Devontae Shuler. Oh, for uh, oh, Emmanuel Miller. Yeah, that that. Uh, oh, the A and M game. I was watching that, and Mueller was, you know, pulling more rebounds than anybody. He was he was all over the board. Yeah, and he uh, he only had three rebounds against us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprising. So maybe a guy like Cheney can take that place. Um, yeah, the main. I mean, flag even from the guard spot, seven rebounds. So they were out rebounding forty-one to thirty-six, and. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that definitely didn't rebound as good against us. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's a very winnable game. I think we got a good matchup with them. Uh, I think talent-wise and really size-wise because, you know, their big guy, like you said, is just not productive um, like he should be. So it should be a game we can go in and win, honestly. Yeah, if we if we play as well as defense and uh, kind of shut down just uh, – Kind of minimalize Tyree. I think uh, definitely win. Keep him, um, keep him from just going off, or having even what A and M have. Oh, he's the only guy that's going to beat you. Mm. So if he scores twenty, it's because he has a high volume of shots. You know, he's taking fifteen shots. Some of those are going to go in from a guy that, you know, that solid is at scoring. So you kind of minimize that. I think, um, you know, they're not much of a threat on at threes, and they're not a strong rebounding team. And those kind of, um, you know, so. I think they'll give us a game at home. Um, they're still a decent team coming off. You know, they still expected to go to the NCAA tournament. But I just don't – and I don't think early on um, – yeah, well, you think it matters not or as much, but I think we're definitely going to have the, even the more want to in this game what we got to, you know, try to compete for the championship this year and yeah. uh, coming off that loss. So. Well, they got worn out in this game too. I mean, they were they, – they, when they played A&M, they had the lead. At halftime, by ten yep. points. I mean, they were playing mm-hmm. well, and it seemed like they like hit a wall, you know, and yep. really started getting worn out. So, and the way we've been playing, if we play them like we played, you know, just about every other team this year, I think we win by ten points. It's, you know, we just got we, we're just able to play a really good, fast, aggressive style of of basketball, even with our size, that uh, that puts up 
you know, some points. So I think we can definitely go in there and just wear them out. I don't think that, I don't think in the game, I think they're going to be huffing and puffing and we're, we're, we're going to be good to go, you know? Yeah. I think our pressure defense is going to get to them. You, you know, you're going to see similar numbers from some of these guys One for five, you know, not very much from these guys. And, um, that defense, how exciting is that to watch? It's like glue, you know? Yeah, it is. It's like really good. Right on each other, I and mean, when they switch off, it's just like, I mean, it's it's a really fun style of defense to watch. Oh yeah, and Must continues to play the man to man. Sticks with it. They got a pretty aggressive help side. Um, just you know, don't get out rebounded like you did against all LSU, even even close. And I mean, there's just a lot. Of, it's gonna be hard to beat us this year. I think the way they're they're playing, and you know, one thing about these guys, you know, pretty much same five or six guys playing you know they really get in a good rhythm instead of just throwing guys out just to be throwing them out there you know just to play 10 minutes they're not going to give you anything so these guys are used to have a really good rhythm to when they're in there and we're kind of a difficult uh, matchup five guard when you especially that five guard lineup or even with bailey he's six six that's a that's a difficult lineup for a you know maybe not as athletic kind of like um for their guy kadeem sai you know he's got that big body but how's he gonna if How's he going to try to guard somebody unless they're playing a zone where he just sticks down in the paint and you can still get him away from there? Um, you I know, kind of take it to him. him so. Yeah, I think it's going to break him out. I don't think he's going to be able to handle it, honestly. Um, I think that when we go in there and play this team, you know, it's it's all going to be about. I bet they out rebound us. I think that's probably a given. That's probably going to happen. But mm-hmm. I think we're going to steal the ball a lot from these guys i think we'll steal it enough to make up for it and you'll see us go on some runs in this game and i hope cheney comes in and you know plays down low against uh the saeed whatever and and uh is able to you know get his confidence back because this would be a great game a great matchup for him to one-on-one with somebody and and be able to go in there and maybe shut him down and, and really get his confidence back yeah, Cheney's going to have to have a good game. or Him, Silla, or Ethan, Ethan Henderson. Somebody's going to have to show that we can have a have a you know a second or third, fourth forward come in and give us something. Hmm. But I think it's going to happen. I think we're right on the verge. I know I've heard all these other coaches say it, and I've been like, I don't think so. But I think it is. I feel like it is now in the, with the basketball team. I think we're, we're right there. Um. The coaching, I feel like it's just phenomenal. I felt like the game came down to coaching the other night, and I felt like Must did a great job of managing the game. Yeah, absolutely. He's shown all year. He's uh, from from the get go. He's in the game, makes a lot of the right moves, and uh, the guys really played hard for him mm-hmm. all year. So, um, and they give them, they get the freedom to kind of play and feel feel confident in what they're doing, and damn, he gets it to play an aggressive defense. So. So, anyway, I guess uh, I guess we should throw a prediction out for for Ole Miss. Yeah, I'll take a eighty-five seventy-two. Eighty-five seventy-two. I think we're gonna we're gonna go in there, and we're going to. Uh, I think we're gonna win it. I think they'll keep it close. Uh, I think they'll keep it low. So I'm gonna say seventy-two, sixty-five, Arkansas. Nice. Hey, 
That'll work just the same. Counts just as much. So. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think I think we both expect us to to go into Oxford and win this game. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we win it by more more points than that. But it'd be a very Arkansas thing to do to go in Ole Miss and play a tight game just to make me nervous. You know. Yeah, I just I just come on. If if we would have won that LSU game, I expected you know just to have one of those. I just I'm just hoping we can bounce back. But mm-hmm. but Ole Miss is one of those teams. I mean, we haven't always. I think even the national championship team in '94 um, uh, lost lost in Oxford and wasn't even like a great because just in a lot of good teams throughout the years have lost in Oxford just because it's kind of a it's just for some reason a weird place to play. Oh yeah. Well, thank goodness they got that lighting situation fixed. So. Yeah, they moved in the new arena. I haven't been crappy a couple four years ago on Valentine's and saw us win the last. Last minute buzzer beater against them. That place was as it was, was shithole. Um, the tad oh, yeah. pad, as they call it. Couldn't but, even hardly uh, see. <laughs> it was fun to watch, and but it was it was cramped. People weren't as tall back then. I had a had a tough time, but I, I stood most of the game anyway. So Florida has a horrible court. Also, I don't yeah, like I their seats. <laughs> I don't like anything about it, man. It's oh, terrible yeah. compared to the bud. Yeah, the buds. I mean, it's it's pretty primo. Get get spoiled, get spoiled, and yeah. BWA can't beat some good but a uh, good uh, the bud. Anyway, I guess we should take a look at uh, Vanderbilt here. Here we see they played uh, Southeastern Missouri, uh, beat them. Went over and played Texas A and M Community College, and beat them. Or or what is that, Tim? What do you call them? Oh, uh, Corpus Christi. Oh, uh, same thing. Uh, then uh, <laughs> Richmond beats them, 93-92. Uh, they go and beat uh, Austin P, uh, 90-72. Pretty, pretty big win there. Uh, go to South Carolina State, beat them. Uh, go over to Southeast Louisiana, beat them. Uh, go lose to Tulsa. Uh, they go over to Buffalo and beat them. Uh, go lose to Liberty, uh, 61-56. Uh, Loya, Illinois, they get beat by 78-70. Uh, then they go and uh, beat UNCW. They beat Davidson. Uh, they get beat by SMU. They go over to uh, Auburn and get beat. 83-79, so they play a pretty tough game. Mm-hmm. It, uh, they're playing Texas A&M next, so that'll give you kind of an idea. You know, if you watch that Texas A&M game Saturday, you know what, what they're going to be going right. up against. But I tell you, I think that this team's pretty high scoring. They got a lot of games in the 90s uh, this year. So, you know, it might be a situation where we have to go in there and, uh, and score with them. Yeah, because we only we only uh, average seventy four and a half. They average seventy nine, almost eighty mm-hmm. points a game. That's pretty good for college basketball. Um, and like you're saying, a lot of these games are in the nineties. Their and, wins uh, seem to be you know, all over the place, though. Their wins so are weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, kind. It's it's nice though that we don't have to play down to somebody's not going to try to change the tempo on us. They're going to try to play with us. So, yeah, could be a fun game to watch. 
Yeah, that'd be a really interesting game to, to watch. I think that, uh, you know, everybody should probably tune in and check it out. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, they're not, uh, they're not like the best team, you know, in the SEC or anything like that. They're, uh, they're doing pretty good. Uh, but, uh, nothing, nothing special really. You know, they're on a two game losing streak. So, you know, can we go in there and, and, and beat them? So that's, that's the question, you know, but they're definitely not a, a Auburn or they're on a 14 game winning streak or anything like that. You know, haven't lost the game all year. Yeah, it's a it's a team that's much better than last year. Hell, it took us a last second crazy one point win at home against them last year. So this is a better Vanderbilt team. They went zero and eighteen last year. Fired their coach Scott Drew. Now they're coached by Jerry Stackhouse, a guy that played eighteen years, played at North Carolina, but yeah, and uh, played eighteen years in the NBA. Just been coaching a couple years, and um, and then they went for Vanderbilt went for it and hired him, and he seems like he's got some pretty solid recruits and. Definitely a better team team than they were last year. And they got the leading scorer in the SEC, Aaron Naismith, 6'6", forward. So uh, much improved player from last year, too. He's averaging um, he's averaging 23 points a game. And second leading scorer is Mason Jones at 19.8. So he's a, he's, he's one of the guys kind of helping him to that 80 points a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I – I, uh... You know, I think they, they they do play a pretty fast game uh, up and down the court. You know, I don't know size-wise, you know, what we're looking at. I've watched a little bit of the SMU game. Um, that's pretty much the only one that I've seen this year. And uh, I didn't even watch the whole thing. It's just so hard to watch a, you know, Vanderbilt game. But, uh, yeah, they didn't really play anybody in the non-conference. So, in a comparison score... You know, they lost to Tulsa, like you said, 58 to 67. We beat Tulsa 98 to 79. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened there. So that gives you, can they really didn't play anybody, you know? So kind of gives you confidence. It should make you think. Besides that's a four point, it was a loss, but a four point loss at undefeated Auburn. Auburn probably kind of overlooked them yeah. um, a little bit. Um, that's hard not to say. But uh, still, maybe we're, hopefully we're not playing them at the wrong time. Their style of offense reminds me a lot of ours. They jack up a lot of three-point shots. Um, and then, uh, you know, they play down low pretty well. But uh, their free throws are horrible. So, they're, yeah. you know, they, they didn't hit maybe half their free throws in the game I saw. So, I, I don't think – I think that's where we got an advantage over them. Of course, I feel like we got an advantage over everybody with our free throws, you know, since we, we just are locked on with those which is nice because last year it cost us a lot of games yeah they're 67 percent you know compared to you know we're 76 this year so we're about 10 points higher than them which is really good for us 76 percent um they don't really don't seem to get to the line a lot like you say they take a lot of threes but um Aaron Naismith I mean he's 60 out of 115 he's shooting over 50 percent from threes I mean that's rare I mean I don't know when you see that for this end of this season so but we, we're, you know, number one three-point defense in the nation. So yeah. you expect you shut him down. Don't let him get 50% of his threes. It's going to be hard for them to find other ways to score. He does get to the line 63 attempts, mm-hmm. um, him and Saban Lee. And then they got Scotty Pippen Jr. Yeah. Um, uh, 
as well. But they're a short lineup. I mean, Pippen six one, Saban Lee six two, um, Evans the other one of the other starters. He's six two. You gonna um, wear your Pippins while you watch this game? Yeah, I might wear my Pippins. Red Pippins are not Vanderbilt color, so yeah, that'd be good. Um, he's but he's he's actually done pretty good from. Yeah, he had a good game. Have... The game I saw, he did pretty good. Uh, you know, I saw him take it to the hoop a couple times and stuff. So it was he was it was uh, he likes to kind of get the ball out on the perimeter and and, and drive it in. You know, it's kind of his thing or whatever. That's what what it was like in that in the game I saw anyway. So yeah, I know against Auburn, he, you know, he goes over five. But, you know, six free throws, so he likes to take it in. You know, decently. I mean, Naismith, he does. Um, he's not all about shooting threes, and then Saban Lee, he'll take it in a bunch mm-hmm. um, as well. They really don't. It's kind of just a couple of those three point shooters and um, more balanced. Um, but even they didn't take as many as Auburn in that game. They did get out rebounded, so it's not a team really. I mean, it's a team love to shoot to at home in Bud Walton Arena, shoot for out rebounding them mm-hmm. um, because the next game after Vanderbilt was so important about winning these next two games. The next game next Saturday is Kentucky at home. So you really want to go two and O this week. And these are winnable games and you'd be three and one when Kentucky comes to town. Yeah. Well, that Dasu and Lee also were jacking up a lot of three point shots. Yeah. And Dasu's six, nine. So he's a guy, you know, and he's not, you know, you want him to, there's a reason he's been left open. And Stackhouse is a former NBA player, kind of lets him kind of maybe by the score 80 play a little faster because NBA guy, you know, he wants him to play a little bit with more uh, more freedom. Yeah. Obviously, when you got every guy playing, shooting three uh, three pointers, they wasn't hitting uh, them though. That's what I noticed. They were shooting them, but they wasn't going in. Yeah, I mean, Auburn, no, the Auburn game just had they went 10 out of 7, which is really good, 59%, but uh, definitely not consistent on that. From anybody but me. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that they're going to have a size advantage on us, and we're going to have to overcome that, obviously, in this game. Uh, and, uh, you know, that the Naismith, Naismith, both playing, you know, up high, it, it just makes it kind of tough, you know. Uh, but I think that, you know, Evans, we can – you know, if we can we can take advantage of that when they sub him in. You know, we definitely will have the upper hand there. So, yeah, I mean, Evans, he's he started thirteen to fourteen games. He'll, he's only six two. Um, you know, Scotty Pippen's only six one. He started every game. Naismith is six six, but really, it's just the Daisu and I guess Clavon Brown. He started a couple of games. He's six eight, but they don't have anybody above that, mm-hmm. um, and not really bang down low. So. Should should be to should be able to control a little bit better than we did this past uh, game against LSU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I think we could probably pull this one out, but it's going to be tough. And I could see us dropping this game too. I could see a situation where we don't pull this one out. Well, I'd like to see you call a loss. See what happens. <laughs> I don't see us losing this game. I mean, well, I do. Maybe we can have a big road win against Ole Miss and Vanderbilt's town Wednesday night. You know, we look forward to a sold-out crowd. I think college game day may be coming, um, you know, a couple of days in that Saturday. So I could see him kind of overlooking Vanderbilt, but hopefully not. 
I hope not. I hope not. Well, do you think we need to uh, do a prediction on this? or? Yeah, I'll go um, 90, 80 Hawks. Man, that's that's pretty high-scoring game. Yeah, I can see that. I'm going to go uh, 80, 78, Arkansas. Wow. I bet you called that right. Kind of like you saw it against A&M in the game. It really should have been talent, or uh, you know, team-wise. But um, I think you're probably right there, especially with Kentucky um, coming to town a couple days later. I just so, think I think right. with this, we're not going to see as many steals as you're going to see against Ole Miss. Um, I think they have more athleticism in their players. It seemed like just watching the games, you know, that uh, they just feel like a team that's going to be a little bit tougher an old mess, but still a game that we should be able to go ahead and, and handle our business and win. Yeah, they definitely get you know definitely got a good turnover ratio this year. Uh, they don't turn it over. Mm-hmm. All defense play without fouling. You know don't don't get them to the line even the, even if, or at least don't get Naismith or Lee. Everybody else or, or Pippen. Everybody else is fine. You know if you got to hack that Dasu, he's only fifty two percent from the free throw line. You know. Mm-hmm. Somebody like that, or uh, a bony, or right. These guys are not shooting very. Clavon Brown, that six eight guy, he's eight for twenty mm-hmm. um, from free throw. So a guy down low, hey man, just as long as they don't make the shot and do an and one, yeah. that's that's the only way really you want to see anybody to you know give up a foul. Just got to go in there and attack. All right, so I asked you this question a lot last year, and we'll ask you again. I haven't had to ask you as much this year, but we took our second loss so where does that leave us as far as going in the tournament i know if it happened today it would definitely be in but looking forward what do you think where do you think we're at what do you think the seating looks like what's your what's your prediction and do they have us anything in the in the rankings did we drop did we drop super low and all that no as far as the uh um net rankings we dropped um from 21st to 28th which is a drop by seven points, even if it's a road game to LSU, and LSU's got 25 ranking in the net, what they used to determine um, what the NCAA looks at when they do the selection. So really not too bad. You stay around that 28th range, you know, that average is about a five, six seed. So that's what your kind of goal right now is, but it seems like a lot of the bracketologies, kind of ex- so, so-called experts have us at, you know, eight seed, which was definitely better than a lot of people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the consensus one... You know, according to bracket matrix, is a seven seed. These a lot of these games were done before the loss last night, but the loss last night doesn't hurt us. I mean, mm-hmm. LSU was a decent team, and that was at home, and we only lose by two. Yeah. So wasn't wasn't a um, in their projected tournament team too. So mm-hmm. not a not a bad loss. You just can't. You just really need to go two and zero, two and zero this week, mm-hmm. and um, keep up. Keep the momentum. Yeah, for sure. You don't. I mean, even even splitting. You know, you really don't want to get on two freaking lose Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But if you lose Ole Miss, you absolutely got to beat beat Vanderbilt at home. And if you beat Ole Miss on the road, you know, it's. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be a, just a a season killing loss to Vanderbilt. Um, but you know, obviously, the the uh, the dub moment is like, yeah, go two and zero. That's the best case. But right now, Chad, we're looking good for the tournament. We just, just got to keep on. 
Yeah, we're gonna do. Okay. Yeah, just from a pure fan perspective, if we lose to Ole Miss, I feel like I'm gonna be crushed. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough to loss. I feel like, okay, you know, it was a good team. We could, you know, I feel like I could take that better. I feel like Ole Miss is a much more of a a win than than Vanderbilt. What you you're along the same lines as me on that? I would I would go flip flop. I'd say I'd say a road game at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. a team that's kind of projected more into the tournament preseason with expect more expectations to Vanderbilt. I'd say that'd be a um, least of a bad. I think it'd be a worse loss to lose to Vanderbilt at home. Yeah. Either now, for that Vanderbilt Ole Miss at home, it'd be flip flopped. Yeah, but to me, to me, yeah, neither of them would have. It's going to be a good loss. <laughs> I mean, not one of them would killers, be disastrous. Though, yeah, they're not season killers. But if you lose both of them, then we're playing in Kentucky coming in, and got Auburn coming up soon. Just make you feel more average, really. I mean, if we win both those and go into Kentucky, and then even you take a loss at Kentucky, at least you're feeling like. All right, I've taken some losses, but, you know, only really good teams, you know? Yeah, you don't feel bad. Um, real, feel real too bad. You know, and LSU's not a bad team, of course. Like we've been saying, they went on the road um, this past Saturday and, mm-hmm. and won at Tennessee. So they're 2-0. and You know, they're looking right now. It's 2-0. and Auburn's 2-0. Kentucky's 2-0. Florida's 2-0. And LSU's 2-0. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in that 1-1 one one range with Tennessee, Alabama, and A&M. Everybody else hadn't won one yet conference so um early but i mean that's what we expect kind of compete for that championship auburn may you know they seem to be the favorite right now they haven't lost all year so they may be the favorite to win the championship but you definitely want to keep pace and only one loss right now but after a loss you don't feel as invincible as you do when you're on a five game or so win streak like we were exactly exactly but yeah we got a chance to beat both of them Roll into Kentucky. I mean, I think we got a chance to beat Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. I could see us beating Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Man, really, TCU? I mean, I guess that's mm-hmm. going to be a tough one. I think we can beat At home, South, though. Yeah. I mean. I think we can beat South Carolina. I think we can beat Alabama. Auburn is going to be our toughest game of the year. Uh Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and then Florida. I mean, for the foreseeable future, I think there's some definitely some winnable games in there. I think Florida and Auburn are our two next, like, hardest games. And Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Auburn's definitely, you know, at, at Tennessee, at Florida, it's going to be tough. Um, hopefully LSU you know, at home will have home field advantage. Home court advantage. Um, Kentucky's tough at, at home, and that's that's always a tough game. So we've got some tough, but a lot of winnable ones, like you're saying, Chad. I mean, what if we come I mean, back and beat LSU at the end of the year? That'll be nice. I expect us to. I expect us to. Last home game of the year, you know, if if Joe and Jones get hot, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know, if, maybe if they're looking at the NBA draft, or that could be last game. So Bailey's Adrian Bailey as a senior and Witt as a senior, they're senior night. Getting revenge for that game, you know, and you know it's gonna be sold out I mean, oh, yeah. by that time. So, especially we know about some big win streaks. Yeah. Well, we got a chance to have a real special year, guys. So I hope everybody's got your seatbelts on. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Yeah. yeah. It's going to be fun competing for a championship. So, yeah. Absolutely. A lot of basketball left. It's fun time of year. I don't know, dude. Do we got anything else? We miss anything? Is there anything else we need to talk about with basketball? I don't think so. I think that covers it. Looking forward to the, some big games coming up. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and go to a uh, commercial break here. Uh, then we're going to play our interview with uh, Greg. And then uh, we'll come back and talk a little football after that. So we'll see you soon. the Hog Call Podcast. All right, next on the Hog Call, we have a special guest joining us, where he was a star quarterback at San Angelo Central in Texas. He came to the University of Arkansas and became the Razorbacks' first black starting quarterback, spending much of his time as a starter helping lead the Hogs to bowl games in each season he played. He could zip the ball to receivers from a shotgun formation as well as split defenders, keeping the ball in Ken Hatfield's triple option offense. Please welcome Greg Thomas. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you for being on. We really appreciate you. And uh, as always, it's wonderful to have Razorback Royalty on the podcast with us. So, Greg, can you <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your high school days and, and how you came to the University of Arkansas and give us a little background on that? Well, you know, background for me, uh, I grew up playing in uh, San Angelo, Texas. I had actually moved away uh, my ninth grade year to Dallas uh, for a couple of days, and then I, I came back, and uh, I left because there was a, a the coaching regime had told me uh, my eighth grade year that he would never play me a quarterback, never give me a chance to play quarterback, et cetera. So we tried to transfer within the city limits and go to another high school there in San Angelo, and they only let half of the players transfer over there, by which we already lived in that community, but they still wouldn't let but half of us transfer. So I tried to come on to Dallas and, you know, stay with my grandmother and see if I could make a change and play here, and then got here in Dallas and found out it, it wasn't the same as in San Angelo, so I went back home. In that meantime, uh, we had a coaching change, uh, and then Coach Keeling came to take over our ball club, and he, he promised anyone that wanted to play, he'd give anyone and everyone a chance to play any position they wanted to play. And so uh, I got a chance to play quarterback there, a position I played my entire youth. Uh, I, I was blessed to play for my brother, by which through a program called the Boys and, and now the Boys and Girls Club, through a legend there in San Angelo, uh, Ben Kelly. And he became the director. They gave us an opportunity to play, and I played there for our school, but through that program. And it, it was exciting. Uh, Coach Keenan gave me a chance to play, and he told me, you know, the best players will play, no matter the, the size or the ethnicity, et cetera. And it still took me two years to get on the field as a quarterback. <laughs> And, and it, it was what it was. Um, played with a great group of guys. We, we've been winning since we were youth. We've never had a losing season. Uh, ended up going to the playoffs. Uh, and they beat us, and that opened up doors for me to go to college. But San Angelo was a great opportunity. Uh, 
I wish I could say I was the best player on my high school team. And I was I was like four or five. Played with some great ball players. Uh, they went to Baylor, went to Texas A and M. You know, went to Texas Tech. Uh, and I was by far not the best football player on my team. <laughs> so you still so got that, to play that, those guys crazy. in college. <laughs> oh, I played against them in college, and it was it was yeah, it was so much fun playing them, and and, and we would have those inner battles. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would know I would talk trash to folks. I would talk trash to everyone on the field, <laughs> and then you play against your cousin, and you you know he down there untying your shoes, or, you know poking you in the eye on the bottom of the pile, or, oh, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it was fun. It was, it was challenging, just like we were when we were you. But uh, San Angelo was a great, uh, it was a great experience, great community. Uh, had a great coaching staff that, that gave us all an, an opportunity to play. Uh, we played a different style. Uh, we ran all formations, the wing, T, uh, single wing. We did everything under Coach Kenny. As long as you were in the right place. When the ball was snapped, he didn't too much care. And we did it all. We did it all and have fun. Had a chance to, you know, we got to the, to the regionals and got beat by a better ball, ball club. Uh, and then had a chance to go play. What, Greg, kind of made you, or how did the recruitment process start uh, with Arkansas and kind of well, made you choose coming up to Fayetteville? I, I didn't really choose Fayetteville. Let me just say it like that. Um, I had I had the opportunity. I committed early to Baylor University. Okay, okay. All right, and the of signing, they decided that they were going to. They got a commitment from a, a running back that they wanted, and so I, I turned out to be the last man on the of the, of the group of guys. Okay. And so that February, when everyone signed, I was still sitting at home. And I promise you, dude, I cried like a baby because I had already committed. I had turned down A&M, Oklahoma, USC, wow. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, LSU. I turned all those places down to go to Baylor. And then, you know, head coach made a decision, and I was a, I was a low, low man on the totem pole. So. It went from liking Baylor to hating Baylor, you know, with mm-hmm. if I drove by Baylor, I would have spit on that joke. It, it was that it became sure. that heated. And the only reason I really wanted to go to Baylor, I had a teammate and a cousin that was playing for him, but my father grew up seven miles from the town. So I had family right there in the Waco area. And I thought it would be a great way to, you know, hang out with cousins, uh you know, extended family and still still be close and to my, you know, my parents, but, you know, the extended family. And, boy, when that fell through, you know, you, you kind of lost. You really lost. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of days later, you know, A&M called me back, Oklahoma called me back, Oklahoma State called me back, USC called back, and – my coach, Coach Keeling, pulled me in the office and said, would you consider going to Arkansas? Well, I had already said no to Arkansas a while back, you know, that I, I didn't really want to go to go that far. I've never been to Arkansas, so I, I wasn't even thinking about it. 
Sure. So then uh, I got, went on the visit, and um, when I walked when I walked into the visit, I could see Brad Taylor, Cal Cagney, uh, Danny Nutt, and a position coach at that time, quarterback coach was Coach Lee. And I said, man, shoot. <laughs> if I can't play here, I'm there, I have something wrong. And when I looked at with the guys there, I was like, shoot, man, where do I sign now? I don't have to go back on this, this side right now. And I just felt that that was a place right there when I looked at it. I, I saw the offense. It was similar to what we ran in high school. Um, I saw the competition, and I was like, shoot, yeah, let's sign right now. And, and it was a pretty cool little thought process. You know, uh, Coach Lee didn't like me saying that. You know, he, he took offense to me looking at the guys and shoot, where do I sign? But I, I really believe that I could play. I just needed an opportunity. And, you know, so I went on and, and committed there, met Coach, uh, Coach Hatfield. We flew back out to, to Angelo, was signed. And, you know, four months later, I'm, I'm back in Fairville ready to, See what, what we could do. So you had a comfortable feeling about these coaches when you went up there and met them and, and thought, like, this is... I had... No, I wouldn't say that. I had more confidence in myself mm-hmm. and the offense that was being presented than I did, I'll per se, the coaches. Now, remember, that was a coaching change there also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember Lou Holtz had told everyone that he would be there... He would he would die. He'd be there forever, and then three weeks later he was gone. So that changed everyone's thought process in November. I was like, Shh, he's gone. I'm not even thinking about Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I, I didn't meet Hatfield until the the flight back here. He was not on my visit. I literally thought Coach Lee and Coach Beckman were the were the were the coaches were the head coach. Until they had to explain to me, the, the head coach is Coach Hatfield. He's going to meet you in Dallas. Oh, wow. So I didn't even meet him till we was on a flight back to my hometown. And so I could not say that, that I was comfortable with him or not. I just wanted an opportunity to still play quarterback. He made me that promise on the flight. Mm-hmm. I will not change your position. I will give you a chance to play quarterback. So I said, all right, or you can go to all these other places and play another position. Hmm. So I said, all right, if you're going to let me play, I'll play. Because when I came out in, in 82, there may have been 20 black quarterbacks in the whole state of Texas. I know for sure there was only two in the state of Arkansas. So it was already against the, the, the odds, you know what I'm saying? So for him to tell me that I'm a, I'll give you a chance if you come here and he's flying back with me to my hometown, I said, all right, I'll do that. And then you meet everyone when you, when you get it. And, and that was different also. <laughs> <laughs> that was, so what was going, that going to Fayetteville was completely different. Well, Was that a culture shock? Was that, see, I mean, you're <clears> in Texas, right? I, I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say a culture shock. People are people. What what was a shock to me? I didn't know. I did not understand. I did not know the history 
of, of the Razorback football program. I, I didn't know it. I wasn't supposed to know it. I'm from Texas. You know, there's, yeah, there's enough schools I, in Texas that oh man, keep up now, I could tell you, I could tell you what was going on at UT, and I wasn't gonna go to UT because <laughs> they, you know they they wouldn't even let my dad go to school there. So why are you gonna come recruit me? You know, thirty years later, I was like, hell no, I'm not going to UT. Okay, um, when, but when you listen to someone like Bill Yeoman talk to you or Jackie Sherrill talk to you, you you understand what's going on. And so, for me, and people is people. But I did not know the history of Arkansas football. I did not know that they had not played a black quarterback. Had no had no knowledge. I found that out on uh, on my visit. So it was it wasn't a shock because I had not you know I was the first in my high school. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, let's do this. I've already done. I did it two years earlier. You know, just give me the same opportunity you give everyone else. And and my thought process, I know I'm confident that I can win, confident I can get the team to play and win, and then we'll just let that go as that. But I wasn't ready for the, the, the masses. I wasn't ready for the naysayers. I wasn't ready for... Some of the things that I was presented with, uh, and, and you can never be ready for that. You can never be ready to get booed at your own for your own home team. I can't imagine. You you can never you can never prepare anyone for that. I'm not saying you boo because you play well. I was booed when I took the field. Mm-hmm. That's completely different. Give me the same chance. Um, but you know, my thought process was still the same. You know, we go out, we win ball games, and, and we'll see where that where that leads us. And it, I'm gonna tell you, man, it's the greatest it's the greatest feeling you can ever have to win. Uh, we have the best fans in the world, and you have to appreciate the the love that they have for the program, and. If you're not successful, they're gonna let you know. They don't care what color you are now. <laughs> you know that they. If you're not successful, they're gonna let you know. Uh, and I can honestly say, I, my teams were always successful. I hate to say my team, the team that I got a chance to lead, because I played with some great ball players, mm-hmm. some great ball players. But we, my worst record was nine and three. Yeah. So you come in so. nineteen in the eighty-two season. Y'all have a, a no, no, eighty four, eighty four. Oh, eighty four. Oh, I came, I came in in eighty four. Okay, is that? Did you start in eighty four, or did you? Oh man, please, I shoot. <laughs> you, you know, let me say this. You know, today's players believe they should. They get more opportunities to play because of the style of play, because of the way the recruiting. In 1984, was I ready to start as a freshman? Heck no. Did I believe I could play as a freshman? Yes, I believed I could play. And the the playing time that I got, I'm thankful for, but I also lost a whole year because I thought I should have played more. But I had two seniors in front of me, and there was a new coach, and 
You know, I thought I should have played more, I mean, we got, but I did. They had Brad Taylor at the time. Who's a... Yeah, Brad and had Danny Nutt as a fifth-year senior. Mm-hmm. Had Mark Cagney that they moved to wide receiver. Had Rodney Ford that they moved to to running back. Uh, and then we came in with Atwater and, and uh, Scott Saunders. They moved them to defense. Mm-hmm. Both. So, but did I shoot you? I thought I could have played. I should have played a lot more as a freshman. But who doesn't think that? Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't think that? But in that offense, will shoot you. I thought I should have played more. Uh, but you, you're that. glad to play. Well, sometimes I see these. Huh? I said sometimes I see these coaches these days come in, and it seems like they try to get the, the young prospect in a little too fast in today's game and they don't sit yeah. them behind that senior get them that experience i mean what was it like being behind those those seniors at the university of arkansas and just being able to you know take in all their knowledge and stuff it was it was good to it, it's better to sit sometime and watch and see what's going on the speed of the game is 100 percent fast mm-hmm. let's just say that and we i ran the offense in the sense that I didn't have predetermined plays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They ran predetermined plays a lot for Brad and then for other people. I didn't have predetermined plays. I read the complete option. From from the snap to the defensive tackle to the pitch man on the end, unless the defense was in a different a different defense and we blocked down. I I, I rarely ever had in my four years of playing a predetermined play. Okay, so I'm reading every time. The the it's hard to do that, but I read it in high school. So when my coach Coach Keenan called in high school, it was always a read. It was never we just gonna give the ball to this player here. It's a it's a read option. Mm-hmm. So the only the I thought <clears throat> as a freshman and, and, and a lot of freshmen believe they can play just give me the opportunity, you know, and we'll see where it goes from there. Now, was I ready to play as a freshman? Probably not. Shoot. <laughs> you know, truthful, man, they're they bigger, they're faster, you got better coaches, they got better schemes. But when I got in the games, I made things happen because there, there were certain things that I, I had already done and had grown up doing. And it was very, very comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. And Brad, you know, they they were seniors, and they were they were trying to win. They just came off a a losing campaign, mm-hmm. and you know, and and he had aspirations. And all of a sudden, you go from a drop back passing offense to a to a flex bone or wishbone, and it's different. Yeah. And so you want to play, and I understood that also. And truthfully, I I didn't mind it because I knew I had three years going, but I also lost. I mean, there were games I was standing right beside Coach Chadfield and say, hey, man, let me give me a series. Let me have a series, Coach. Let me have a series. I would literally stand behind him in a game and say, Coach, let me let me have a series. <laughs> Hey, Coach, they, they're creeping up. Let me have a series. And sometimes that didn't sit well with the coach, and it's not supposed to. Yeah. But I also thought I could help the team win. Exactly. 
So in '84, how, <coughs> how much time did you see the field? I, what there were there? I think I played in seven of the twelve games. Well, that's pretty good for a freshman. Yeah, yeah. At, at, at least at least one play in seven of the twelve games. So but I didn't play against Texas, and I, and I thought I could have made a difference in the in the Texas game, which was the 18th. when they were number one. And we were playing down here in Austin. Yeah, I thought I could have played. We put in plays that that I knew I was gonna get a chance to make a play, mm-hmm. and he put in other players instead of me in those situations with the game on the line as a freshman. That was frustrating. Because during the, during the practice during the week, he had put me in there and he had let me be the flanker. They throw me the ball or had me come out and pass me the ball. Then I was going to pass it out. I mean, things that we had practiced and then we got into the game and that situation uh, came up and then he went with a older player. And it, it was frustrating, but I also, you know, I'm a coach of a son. I understand how that stuff works. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a son of a good yeah. Sounds like they got a little tight with the play calling. If they're working on that in practice, sounds like a. To, Man, you putting freshmen in there. You know you can't <laughs> trust freshmen. You know, yeah, yeah. Some that's the thought process. You know, some, you can't trust the freshmen. But I also believe in my ability to make plays happen. Yeah. And and you know I got the chance to play when they called my number and you know I was supportive and tried to help the player. You know, learn as much as I possibly could when I wasn't playing. But I really, truly believe I, I lost a year. But I gained in on trips and stuff. But I, I, I truly lost a year that I could have played. Mm. And a lot of people want to be red-shirted. A lot of people should. Most, almost every freshman should be red-shirted. Mm-hmm. And, and I gave up a red-shirt year. But I learned a lot. I promise you, I learned, I learned how to not be late to team meetings. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I learned how to try to eat right, don't eat too much, and, and try to learn how to uh, understand game plans. You know, so, it, you know, what you learn as a freshman is, is valuable oh, yeah. on trip. And, and I got a chance to do that. But in terms of playing, shoot, yeah, I wish I played more. I thought I could have helped. We were 7-4-1. And I truly believe I could have got us two big. Oh, I believe I could have got us two. Two. I thought we could have been nine and two that year. Well, that year we tied with Ole Miss. We beat Tulsa. Beat Navy. Yeah. We had a loss to TCU. Very close loss. I won. Uh, shouldn't have lost it. Shouldn't have lost Texas it. Tech. I had a close hey loss man, we Texas. lost that. Chad, we lost to Tech. I mean a TCU. Mm-hmm. I played some in that game. Yeah. And after that game, Coach Brawls called me to his office. And they asked me, how did we lose that game? Okay, I'm going to say it again. I am a freshman. I played four or five plays in that game. And the head honcho is asking me, how did we lose that game? And, And tells me, that game, losing this game right here, Greg, cost us. Not only the Southwest Conference Championship, mm-hmm. it cost us a couple games on, telev- on television. And then he tells me to my face right then, and Lasker was with me in that room, and Charles Washington was with me. Yeah. And he says, when this is your team, 
next year, we cannot lose games like this. And I was a freshman. Well, messing with your head, brother. When when you talking <laughs> to the head man up there, not your head, not your coach, your athletic director, and he says, "When this is your team next year, we cannot lose games like this." That just shows you the faith that they had, and I'm sure that you're leaving that meeting feeling pretty good. Uh, he told us some other things that happened that, that day that would take place on Monday that we. Yeah, you you know who got you know who runs the show. <laughs> I just say that and we know who runs the show. I I found out very quickly, you know, who Coach Balls was. And if you didn't know, I definitely knew then. You know, you know yeah. I definitely knew that that he was the man. And, and you you do right, he will support you. You do wrong, he gonna discipline you. And but yeah, as a freshman, shoot, he's telling me right then that you gonna play. He's telling you that you don't play, and I shoot. I looked at that man. Went went on. We sat down with all the other players. We laughed, talked, and I knew I had a chance to to do something, to be a part of something bigger than myself. Absolutely. And so then y'all go and y'all beat Houston. You beat Rice. You beat Baylor. You beat Texas A and M. You're on a nice run. You got SMU. Uh, they come in and beat you, but very close game. And then you play Auburn, who has Bo Jackson at the time, and you play them very close in the Liberty Bowl and take a, a 15 to 21 loss. What's, and, that, what's that like, just being on the field with Bo Jackson? Well, I mean? <laughs> well but you forget, they had Henry Thomas, they had Frank Thomas, they had, they had NFL players on that team. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what did I take away from that? First of all, we figured out that back in those days, the SEC wasn't very good, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that now. That, the Southwest Conference was better than the, the Southeastern Conference in those days, okay? But what we learned there, there's a, there's, a, there's a way to win. We didn't know how to win. You see what I'm saying? They were playing at a higher level. Their exposure to the higher level was was different than what we were experiencing at Arkansas. That's how that's what I took away from that. Um they were big time players. Those were NFL players and and we were coming in tr- just trying to be a part of the, a part of the game and they were the game. I mean they got first class everything. We got treated like second class everything. I mean you you look at Frank Thomas and Henry Thomas and, and, and Bo Jackson, and the way they talked was different. The way they carried themselves was was higher than we were. Mm-hmm. And you learned that. We learned that. I mean, I'm telling you, when you go to the functions, you were treated like a little brother, and all of them were treated like the big brother. Mm-hmm. And then we had to learn to win. We could have easily won that game. We should have won that game. Bo Jackson has one play. He gets MVP. Marshall Foreman should have been MVP of that game. Truthful. Look it up. You can watch the video. Marshall outplayed everyone offensive. Bo Jackson has one 40-yard touchdown. He probably has eight other rushes that don't even get 40 yards. 
but he's MVP because of name recognition. Mm-hmm. And so we were still trying to learn how to play at that level. I would guess to say the media level, the expectation level, whatever. They were treating us like we should be glad we're there and treated Alma like they were there. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was another practice session for me. Once again, I didn't play in that game, and I was told I was going to play in that game. Mm-hmm. I was told I was going to play. I rode a bus 27 hours to meet up with the team, and then I practiced with the first team for the next three days by myself because I missed three practices because I couldn't get back because of bad weather. And he told me I was going to play in that game, and I didn't play it down. Didn't play it down. And, and that, oh, you man, you have no idea. Devastated. So you, so you Devastated. Not, the 1985 season at this point. <coughs> and you guys have a heck of a season, I mean, this year. I mean, you, you beat yes. Miss, Tulsa, New Mexico, TCU, Texas Tech, drop one to Texas, uh, beat Houston, Rice, Baylor, drop one to A&M, beat SMU, and then win the bowl game against Arizona State. Like, great year. So what is, what's that year like for you? Phenomenal, unbelievable. Uh, truthfully, we should have played on a January one game that year, but but when we lost to uh, A and M, it was it was like game eight, you know. And in those days, you had bowl tie-ins through your conference, so we didn't get to that large bid that we we probably should have gotten uh, because we lost the week. After they had already decided who's going to, you know, the top 15 rankings or whatever, and we were writing that 10 through 15, and so we ended up playing on a December 27th or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we played a pretty good Arizona State team, and truth be known, I was benched that game. I had eight wins that year, and I got benched that game. I played five plays in that bowl game. What was the what was the reasoner, or how did how did they uh, explain that to you, brother? Man, he's he's uh, it's been 1985. He still hasn't explained still, that. Coach Jaffe and I don't talk about that right there. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we we've had a couple of sit downs, and and you know he made a decision. Yeah, he he made a decision in San Diego. He didn't even tell us in Fayetteville. And I didn't find out. I found out through my brother on ESPN. My brother called and said, man, what happened? I'm going, what are you talking about? You need to check ESPN. In those days, you had to wait for the whole hour. There was no ticket, no taper at the bottom, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I found out and this through is- my brother from ESPN. And, and you've been starting this year. Oh, man, yeah. Like, like this is your, yeah. this is your like your team. You're like your baby so, at this point, right? Like that's got to be so frustrating. Hey, well, you know, thirty, forty years later, we still ain't ain't disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> still haven't disgusted. But you know, it was yes, it was frustrating. It was frustrating enough to me that I was, I I was considering leaving. I even tried to leave. Talked to some schools, and Coach Broyles found out about it and had me come back and meet with him. 
And then we had a meeting with Coach, with Coach Hatfield, and I mean, it, it was yeah, it was it was trying time. Let's see if it was, it was trying. You would have been in the transfer protocol today. Yeah, it, it, back then it was. Coach Brown said, "You ain't you not going anywhere." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what Coach Brown said. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, you know, I. There's a whole bunch to that story that I can add, but Coach Brawls, you know, one of the coaches that I talked to, Coach Brawls, they called Coach Brawls, he called me. And uh, we had a meeting. And then he said, oh, no, you're not going anywhere. And we're going to work this out. And then he told me a couple stories about him and, and his quarterbacks, and he had a trio of quarterbacks he had. I think Bill Montgomery... Joe Ferguson and Scott Bull, he said they never knew who was going to play. And so he had one of those good heart-to-heart with me and said, well, you're not going anywhere. We'll work this out. You know, and at that same time, Coach Richardson came. And Coach Richardson, I met him when I was 11 years of age. And uh, so we, we knew each other. And then he and I had to talk about it and, you know, I went on and stayed there in, in, uh, for the next two years. But, yeah, it was – you never know what was going on inside. He made a decision. Uh, we still won the ball game. Let's just say that. Cal played a great ball game. Kendall makes the kick. Uh, great play. Mm-hmm. We win at 18-17. Going, going to the offseason with the win, yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's crazy. Because me and Coach Hatfield are still trying to work it out. I'm, I'm guessing the next year, too, you guys are thinking, like, you got a chance to go all the way. I mean, you only had two losses. Yes, and, and the two losses that we had, we easily, I mean, we missed field goals against UT. They make five field goals. Mm-hmm. Now, they, you want to say that may be the difference. The difference is, we did. We didn't. We didn't capitalize on, on other situations. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We 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 had we had a couple of opportunities on, and we missed. We missed checkoff. We missed passes. I missed a wide open receiver. Um, DC catches the ball. They call out of bounds. It was clearly caught inbounds. So, but they made five field goal. We missed. We lose fifteen to thirteen. And then at A and M, probably the worst game I ever played. We I had three bad miscues, and uh, threw a couple of interceptions. We had a had a pitch get knocked down. We lose ten to six mm-hmm. at A and M. And shoot, man, easily we could have been eleven and one or twelve and zero that year. I mean, we lose, go ten and two. By six point total, and Penn State wins the national championship by six points. Hmm. And yeah, that's frustrating. That is. That's way frustrating. And you know they were independent, so they 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 were playing Miami and, and win that. But shucks, they were playing a Cincinnati. They were playing a, a UConn. They were playing, you know, Youngstown State. All that BS. 
and we got to go to a conference. So yeah, that was that was frustrating, but it, that gave us fuel for the off season. Our off season was pretty good, um, and we come back better than ever. Matter of fact, I think we come back way too stoked. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Thinking we're pretty dang good. We once again, like we did in '85, we get all the way up to rank, you know, four or five in the nation, mm-hmm. five and zero at home. You know, what we lost to Texas in '85, we turn around and lose to Texas Tech in '86. And that, you know, how did he? Yeah, well, that's the difference. Oklahoma, it was different with Oklahoma. Oklahoma, shoot, man, they just. <laughs> They were the, they were bigger than we were. They were they were. If I said Auburn was a higher level, mm-hmm. Oklahoma was a national championship caliber team, right? Yeah. They 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 had played for national championship. They've been on that stage. We were still growing to play on that stage. And you can you can so, tell and, this year that you guys have come out for blood because your games are. You know, beating Ole Miss twenty-one to zero, beating Tulsa thirty-four seventeen, beating New Mexico State forty-two to eleven, beating TCU thirty-four seventeen, uh, Texas twenty-one fourteen, Houston thirty-thirteen, <coughs> Rice forty-five fourteen, SMU forty-one to zero. I mean, only close game was uh, what the Texas A&M fourteen to ten win. I mean, you guys were the previous Better. years were close games, Better. winning them, but they were close games. Better. This year, you're dominating. But, Chad, I'm going to be honest with you. That 86 team was not as good as that 85 team. You want me to say it again? That 85 team was player for player better than the 86 team. But we were learning how to win. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference. Do you... If you know how to win and you have that confidence, you can do anything. When you're learning how to win and you still have somewhat insecurities or doubts, then you play tentative. We didn't play tentative at all in 86. I mean, we had a chip on our shoulder. We lost in 86 because of conflict within the team. Okay? We didn't lose in '86 because team was the Oklahoma team was better. Now Oklahoma, we won everything in Oklahoma. We won the singing competition. We won the bowling competition. We won the bullshit competition. Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. We won all that. You see, we we won all the stuff that had nothing to do with the football game. Yeah, we won the physical fights on the boats. At Red Eye, we won. We won all that stuff, and we got our butts kicked on the football field. Yeah, that that Oklahoma team though in '86, they were beat seventy to nothing. Really, one one went away from to Miami. I think kind of look back to being it. They, no, they lost they two. They good. lost to Miami twice. They oh, lost gosh. to Miami twice. Yeah, they were all right. That, that's the whole deal. They lost to Miami twice. That's how much better Miami was than Oklahoma. And they beat us, what, 42 to 8. Now, granted, I threw four interceptions. You know, that don't, that don't help. 
But we were still learning how to win. We knew we, we knew we could win. We went down to Austin for the first time in 20 years and won down there. And that's playing against Texas referees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And beat them down there, you know. And, and we beat A&M for the first time, Houston and Texas in the same year. That had never been done before. So we had a chip. We had we had some 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 great players on the team, but we also had a hunger and a fight. Mm-hmm. But we lost that. You know, there was a step up. That Orange Bowl is a step up from the Holiday Bowl and from the you know the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. And you playing against guys that played that have played for a national championship. You play for a national championship coach that is from your state, whose son is on the team, who knows the coach. We won everything but the ball game. And it, that's what happened. I mean, they just beat us up, and we beat ourselves up, and, and we, we let down some folks because we didn't play up to our capability. You know that's that's part of playing the game. You know that you gotta you gotta come prepared, and, and we were still learning how to win at that level. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so you were named captain this year, and I was captain the year before that too. Oh, you were okay. okay. I was captain. I was captain in '85. I just didn't do captain stuff. I didn't go out to the the coin. I don't. Ever, I do not remember ever going out to a coin talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, but I don't ever remember because that stuff really didn't. Didn't. I much rather be on the sideline trying to get ready to, you know, uh-huh. play the game, talk about the game plan, throwing warming up, than going out to the to the coin talk. I can't remember or recall. I may have, but you know, in terms of him naming me captain and putting it on a piece of paper, I didn't too much worry about that. I. Junior, senior, sophomore. I, I wasn't ready for that as a freshman. As a sophomore, yeah. I, whatever was going to take place, I was, I was my team. Was, I was going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't ever remember walking out. That that stuff didn't bother me. Getting interviewed didn't bother me. I put that on everyone else. Hey, go talk to go talk to Atwater. Go talk to Freddie. Go talk to Limbo. Go talk to Rouse, go talk to Shebes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go talk. Hey, man, we got a team here. I can't. It ain't about. It ain't about Greg. It's about the team. Get give them jokers love. You know, oh, yeah. Greg. We need you to go do this ESPN spot. Let somebody else do it. Let <laughs> somebody else do it. Oh yeah, as quarterback, I guess it always that kind of comes with the position, though, huh? Well, you know, a lot of people always want to hear from that person, and I understood right. that, but I also understood. That that we had a team, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I didn't think I was better. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I knew I could play. I knew I was part of the team, but I didn't think I was the team. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And I never wanted it to be a situation where you getting all this, and you know they don't talk. No man, talk to everybody, man. You know, <laughs> there, there's enough. We have enough outlets around it. We got different personalities. We got enough guys. That can, you know, take some responsibility, you know, and some ownership, 
I don't have to be the one all the time. You know, Greg, can we talk to you? No. Man, hey, Sammy, go do that, man. Let's go talk to Sammy. You know, and I, I thought it did a lot of our guys, you know, good because they got an opportunity to say stuff. And, and they got to own up to it, too. If you say something stupid, you better play it. You better play it up, you know. And <clears throat> I learned that from my dad. My dad always said, "You, you, shit, you ain't the only show in town. <laughs> There's the other guys on this team, and, and you learn that growing up, and you appreciate it. I mean, you really appreciate it as a team, as a teammate. So go talk to Chris Beckett. Chris can talk. <laughs> you know, ask Chris how practice went. You know, what's going on. You know, go talk to David Basil. You know, and, you know, Basil. G, no, nah, man, you do that. I don't need to do that. Let somebody else do it." So, what was the next year like? You, you come in the next year, you're, you know, you, Hale. it seems like it's rolling, uh -oh. but then you got Hale. Quinn Grovey's coming in with you too, right? No, no, Quinn was already there. Quinn got red-shirted. Okay, so he's red-shirted. So, yeah. Okay. See, Quinn, Quinn was red-shirted. I wasn't red-shirted. So Quinn was there in, in uh, you were kind of like 86. This year, this year, oh. in, in 80, 85, right? Would that, am I or 87. No, they, you talking, well, mentor, <laughs> I think people were tired of me being there. <laughs> so they were ready for new blood. Well, I was just thinking if 86, if you're, if you're, you know, the captain and, and starting and you got him redshirting, like he would be getting a lot of his knowledge from you at that point. Like you in the meeting rooms and time, like that's how it worked. You know, when I, when well, I was at the oh, there, there was, so so, let me let me say it like this. John Bland was was the backup in eighty in eighty six. Quinn was still there going through all he and Kenny Kearns and Kim Kevin Lewis were the younger quarterback. Now, what kind of program do you want to have if the players behind you don't give you any kind of competition or can't push you? That doesn't do anything for your program. We always had guys that could step up and play. And they could add a be whatever part of their dimension to the ball game. And that was needed. So uh, was there any threat with, with Quinn and Kevin Lewis and all that? No, man, I wanted them jokers to do well. Yeah, you know, my, my goal was to get out and get as far as we could and let other people come in. Or what if you get injured? You don't want to drop off to occur. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all those guys, could, they could play. You know, someone has to emerge as that, that player and then lead the team to the best of their ability. Hmm. And shoot, yeah. So as a mentor, I mean, what would I say about Brad and Danny as being mentors to me or Cal? They were learning the offense just like I was. It was their first year. So the, what I was learning from them is how to be, you know, players, how to be starters. That, that's what I learned. And we weren't having, you know, hanging out doing nothing else but football-related stuff. Club you know what I'm saying? No, hell no, man. We, we <laughs> got we went we had we had we had Wilson Sharp. <laughs> we we had enough of our own Wilson Sharp party for a club, though. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is. You, 
what kind of program do you want to have where you're there's no competition? Yeah. You know, now was I ever fearful of my competition? No, never, never. That's why you practice every day, and, and we want a competition. You gotta have that attitude as a starter at a at a high level college program like that. You have to have that belief in yourself that you can go out. Yeah, well, not everyone has that belief. Some of that belief you come with. Some of that occurs in practice when you're making plays. Some of it, you know, takes place in games. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, everything is situational, right? You know, right place, right time, uh, right opportunity, make a play, etc. You know, some people do, some people don't. And, you know, everyone everyone that comes there is going to be all Bobcat, all Wampus Cat, all State. All, uh, all region, valley, all, all this, all this stuff till you strap it up. Yeah. And then once you strap it up, shit, your mama can't save you now. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to line up and you got to go. You know, it was the first time I had ever stepped on a field and someone that was six four, six five, two hundred eighty pounds was just as fast as I was. First time I ever seen that, where I could not outrun defensive ends. And I'm going like, shoot, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, why can't, I get, why can't I get away from this guy? We know what, you know, it was the first time I ever experienced any of that stuff. So you figure out, okay, he's quicker, he's bigger. You figure out how to work things out. And a whole bunch of cats are like that. You know, they get up there and they, they got all these, you know, these accolades and these five stars and all that, and they're the biggest cat on their team and their community and their town, and then they drive 30 miles over and they got bigger cats. <laughs> they're just as fast, just as smart, understand the schemes, and then you got to match up and, you know, put your hand in the dirt and play against them. Man, that's, that's humbling. Yeah, That is way humbling. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing in the SWC in that time, uh, obviously, these days, SEC, you're you're all state, all con- all conference, especially at, at least, all all coming together. So that's and a- <laughs> you got to play. Yeah, exactly. When you walk out there, you know, coach can't save you, man. If you play a defensive back, you better be able to cover somebody because he's gonna be able to run just like you can run. Mm-hmm. Can I? Can I play his physical? Can I take away his angle? Can I understand coach's game plan? Then can I go make tackles? I mean, that's what you're facing, the best against the best. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. That 85 team we had, man, it was nothing but competition. And it was fun. And the crowds were electric, and we knew we were good, but we were learning how to be good. That 86 team was nowhere as close, as talented as that 85 team. But... We knew how to win. So I, our preparation was different. Our accepting coaching was different. Our attitude was different. And then we go out and play a better team. The competition was stepped up. We played against a team that knew how to win. They were just as talented. They had a better scheme. And they whooped our butts. So that, 80, that 87 season was 
frustrating. Oh, and this you is know, I, 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 just to recap for the listeners, we played Ole Miss, uh, beat them, beat Tulsa, went to, or, no, Miami came up to War Memorial and uh, beat us. Kicked ass. Beat T, yeah. Kicked seven, it. Seven to 51. Kicked it. They won that championship that year. All right? We played Oklahoma, who should have played in a national championship in, 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 in January of 87. And then we played a national championship team, Miami, in Little Rock in 87. We lost to two of the best teams in the nation, and it wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that, 80, that 87 Miami team was pretty ridiculous. Um, of course, like you were saying, though, they were playing Toledo's. And, you know, East it didn't matter, man. Them jokers were bigger, still. faster. <laughs> bigger, faster. The scheme was better. I don't think – I think I, I think our coaching got tight. I think our, our game plan was was minimized, and then, then, then everything just fell apart from there. Let me, um, let me ask you a quick question about this game. This is what I, I, I wonder about, right? So you got Jimmy Johnson, who was on the 1964 yeah. National Championship team. He's the head coach down there like was there like animosity before this game like is there a feeling of you know why is he down there why isn't he with us like you know what i'm saying uh coaching wild we didn't too much worry about that i tell you what i was more what what was more frustrating to me is ed orgeron this same ed orgeron that said lsu that was with us at arkansas Mm -hmm. was with us Mm -hmm. and then he goes to miami oh And he's there, and they have they know everything we're doing. Ed was with us, and then he left us and went to Miami. And, and, okay, so he's kind of he's kind of got the down low on the plate. He knows everything. He's he he knows all of us. He's been with us for three years. Golly. But do are you concerned about it? No. Yeah. But they had our checks. Kid you not. They had us flanked. They play a straight-up seven-man front, which we should have been able to play with. Couldn't touch them. Couldn't block them. Couldn't tackle them. That was more frustrating than Coach Johnson. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Coach Johnson when he was at Oklahoma State. That was one of the reasons I wanted to go to Oklahoma State. Yeah. And then he goes to Miami. Man, I, I didn't know what Miami was then. No, you know, I got that call. He's he's leaving. He's going to Miami. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, I don't know where Miami is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the thing that he did different down there, which I know they're sitting about them, but he he, he took athletes. He no, he he he, he could not. No, 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 no. That's not it. It's not true. He could not recruit Oklahoma State and get the same athletes at Oklahoma State that Oklahoma was getting. He could get two or three Oklahoma getting 15. Mm-hmm. Texas getting 15, 20. He couldn't get enough of those players to do what he wanted to. He could get, you know, Thurman. He could get Hartley Dykes. He could get three to five players. Oklahoma getting 15 to 20 every year. Texas getting 15 to 20 every year. See, Houston at that time, Baylor at that time. So, Howard Schnellenberger was the coach at Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
he had already changed all that stuff. He was he was already recruiting all those cats out of Coconut Grove and Dixon Center and all that stuff. That's right. Jimmy just came in and took that offer he had and got a couple more players there. And he brought his attitude, he brought his, his scheme, he brought his you know his offensive philosophy, and it all meshed together. He had players, he had scheme, and he had mentality. And then they learned to win at a high level. And then they beat those teams that everyone else wasn't beating. Yeah. So, you know, Coach Johnson was doing the best he could at Oklahoma State. But he wasn't getting those exact same players that he was yeah. getting at Miami and that Coach Denberg already was getting at Miami. Yeah, that team even had, you know, Michael Irvin and Cortez Kennedy. So he wasn't getting those at, <laughs> as many of those at Oklahoma State. No, 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 because they were, because you were getting other, you know, he was getting old, uh, Leslie O'Neill, you know, but he was only getting one Leslie O'Neill. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And Leslie could should have played with Fayetteville, but he goes to Oklahoma State. Well, he he don't get him. He don't get enough of those Leslies at Oklahoma State to compete. So then he goes to Miami. And there's a real service there, and then they decided to recruit local, and you get the Cortez Kennedy and Johnson and Daniel Stubblefield and all them jokers. They're right there, and the Michael Lervis, and they all standing right there in that na- in that neighborhood. And they they're not going to Florida State. They're not going to you know the Gainesville. They just gonna stay right there and play in Dade County. Yeah. Sure. and you should do that, <laughs> but they don't do it. <laughs> Same, same philosophy. So then we, you guys go on, you beat TCU, you beat Texas Tech, you take a loss to Texas, very close game, 14-16. Uh, you beat Houston, Rice, Baylor, uh, take a loss to A&M. And, and we don't <coughs> this. this is a 0-14 game in this A&M game, and I'm sure that was a, a tough game for you. Uh, well, it, it, it only – I, I – I, I tell my shoulder up the first game against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. All right? And then playoff and on the rest of the year, then we, I get it re-ended against Texas, and then we lose that game on a last-second pass. And the whole season then went downhill. I'm going to say it go downhill. We're 9-3 this year, brother. And I'm saying the season went downhill. That's how high the expectations were. Yeah, I'd love nine and three these days. You know what I'm saying? That was the expectation. Going to practice on a team that was expected to win, and we're nine and three, and you don't, <clears throat> and there's no energy. There's there's no fight. This is just, dang. You I mean it, it, it? It's crazy. Yeah. But the expectation was so high following the, the the previous two seasons. And, you know, then we go and play an uninspired game in Georgia. And, shoot, I throw that game away, too. <laughs> Man. And then you guys go to Hawaii and play the Rainbow Warriors and win that game. And I, I don't know why, but I've always had sort of a, I don't know, I've always like liked Hawaii for whatever reason. Just that team just seems like a, wholesome team or whatever to me. I don't know. But what's that like? What's it like flying over to Hawaii, playing that game in Hawaii? I mean, 
33,000 fans. That, that, you know, it's definitely not the biggest stadium or the most fans that you guys have been in front of, but it seems like it may have been a production to go do something. Well, like that. I was, it, it is the most beautiful flight you could ever take. <laughs> it's better than being in Fayetteville and Tulsa, Oklahoma in December where it's snow on the ground and you freezing and you in Hawaii and it's 85 degrees and you got girls putting hula, putting ladies on your head, hula dancing for you. That's crazy as heck. Um, the, the game, you know, it was a reward for the previous two seasons. And, and truthfully, I don't know if we deserve that award because we didn't, man, we, I'm telling you, going nine and three, and you should be happy. We should be happy going nine and three. And it, it was just crazy. Well, but it was a reward for the previous two years of playing well and, and, you know, it was also the situation where, like, SMU lost. They got their program uh, taken away. So you had to find a team. And, and Coach Hatfield had a relationship, you know, when he was with the WAC and that conference, and, and they made that made that game. Mm-hmm. But, um, Obviously, you know. Yeah, I was just going to ask how, how that happened because playing kind of a game later. But that, that makes sense because SMU with, with SMU with getting the death penalty, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we had to fill it, and, and you know, the the game, the game, the game was a game. We should have won that game also. Man, we, we, we should have, I hate to say should have or could have, uh, you know, we got to make plays. We didn't make plays or we didn't make enough plays. They made enough plays. Mm-hmm. But we, we were 10-2. We should have easily could have been 11-1 or 12-0 that year and played for the national championship, and we were still growing. We were – you know, ten and to a nine and three the next year, losing the Orange Bowl, and they were nine and three that that year playing against um you know, it just just trying to understand. I mean co- coaching is different. You know, the the offensive stuff, man, playing it, if it was anything like we had today and give me the ball seven yards back all the time and and you run a a replay seven yards back, and I can sit back there and throw. And I threw, we we ran the wishbone, we ran the shotgun, we dropped back. Yeah. You show me what team does all that stuff. Show me any team today that does that. Yeah. No, no one was doing that. And we, we were ahead of our time. You know, in terms, I mean. We were literally in shotgun. I was seven yards back in shotgun. Like we were the Cowboys and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and then we, the next play, we line up in the wishbone and run the triple option at you. And the play after that, we drop back and throw a screen pass. I mean, we were, most, we were a multi-faceted team when that wasn't the case. The other team that sent back throwing it all the time, we could run it every time. We could break the bone, send one back, one back in motion, and still run the same daggum option or counter out of it. I mean, we we were pretty daggum good. I think we only gave up you no know, three years on like sixty-five seconds. That's almost two or less, or three or less a game. Yeah. 
with a team that was a run oriented that also ran the wishbone. I mean, it also threw drop back and shotgun. And we still didn't throw the ball enough. We sh- we should have thrown the ball more. We should have thrown the ball a lot more. Because we had, to. I mean, you can't ask for a better tight end than Theo Young, Eddie White, Luther Franklin. Uh, you can't ask for a better wide receiver than Donnie Center, James Shebeth, uh Derek Russell, Tim Horton. James, you can't ask for better wide receiver. Yeah. It just wasn't Coach Hatfield's philosophy. He wanted to run it down people's throat all the time. And we tried it. And we we were successful doing it. But shut. Can you imagine giving them those eight targets a game, both of them, D.C. and Shebass, and Theo and Luther, giving them seven targets a game? Maybe Man. a little bit more bal- of a balance than, you know, only you know, because I, I saw some of these games, you're going eight for nine. You know, that's a pretty yeah. dang good completion percentage, but you're only getting the opportunity to throw it nine times. But we could run it though. Yeah. <laughs> Man, look, look at the look at the line that we had though. I mean, Andy Upchurch in center. You know, Limbo and Freddie and John Stitt and, and Beckett and Jim Mabry. You know, come on, Dale Williams. <laughs> Look, look, look at the line that we had. And you had Marshall Foreman, you had Derek Thomas, you had James Rouse, you had Joe Johnson, you had Barry Foster, you had Shucks. We got NFL running backs in there, too. I mean, it was, we were loaded. Carl Miller, Terry Tatum, come on, bruh. Bobby Joe Edmonds. Bobby Joe Edmonds, Bobby running the ball, then you throwing the ball. I mean, we were absolutely loaded. Loaded. On that 85 and 86 team. Loaded. And and I'm going to tell you, the defense was better than our offense. (laughs) Our Our defense was way better than our offense. Our defense was so... There was animosity in our practice between the offense and defense of so who's going to be the best unit on the field. <laughs> well, we would literally fight the practice. Fight. Our spirit had something to fight. Because <laughs> we had to gain our own, we had to learn to gain respect. The offense did. And, and when I got there, we, we weren't real, to me, we weren't really respected offensively. Our guys didn't really believe in themselves. And then, man, forget the defense, man. Forget them. Let's challenge them. Let's whoop their butts a little bit. Let's pick on some of that guy. Let's talk trash to them. Let's get, you know, get in that head and see. Our defense was stellar. Yeah. They played one season where they only gave them one rushing touchdown in like 12 games. Wow. Stellar. And we, we should have won, won the whole deal. The best team, best team I ever played with was that 85 team. And I'll put that. 90 team up there. I put that on bowl. I, I fuss with, with Patrick Martin all the time about that team. They had they won the 78 on bowl. Line up and players. Mm-hmm. And he gets mad at me all the time. He yells at me. <laughs> dog cussing me everything. Big brother old Pat, Pat Martin. He gets mad at me. I said, man, line y'all. Bring Ron for roll. We run his big ass now. He be dead tired. <laughs> 
you know, it was a great team. I thought I thought we we we, we underachieved and we were ten and two. I thought we could have played for it all that year. Yeah, I think you had a, a a run of years that you had really good teams that could have the the ball could have went either way several years there. Just a couple of different plays went a couple of different ways for you. And uh, I agree. You know that's what Houston Nutt always said about his championship. And then you know the ball just went a couple. A couple plays, a couple different ways, you know. And uh, to go from that to where we are now at the University of Arkansas and, and, and this rebuilding phase and, and all of that, <laughs> like, how do you feel? I, I got to ask you, uh, how do you feel coming from that legacy to where it is now? And do you think Pittman, is he, is he the guy to turn around? I, you know, I, I met Coach Pittman before. Previously, um, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I know over the years, I've been here. I've been in my campus for twenty three, twenty four years. Mm-hmm. We, my campus, has put nine or ten guys in the league. In the league. And we have not seriously recruited but two of those nine or ten guys. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take. It is frustrating because I am, I am a hog. Yeah. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I am a hog. I'm going to support every way possible. And I, I but shucks. I, I was saying, I know you had the opportunity to work with Chandler. Uh, Morris a little bit, and 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 uh, maybe some combines or some camps. <coughs> I thought I saw some stuff there where, you know, you might have been kind of close there with with him too down in Texas. Well, I, I went to what we played against him, and we sit down and talked a little bit. And I, you know, we we played him this year, and I watched him last year. Uh-huh. Um, and what 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 we do need is. To be successful, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm trying to say it, you know, as as honestly as I can. Yeah, no, just we we need some success. Yeah, we we need some success, and how we get that success, or how 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 we reach success, is different. Mm-hmm. You know, because we haven't had we haven't had it. The only consistent stuff we've had is losing. And and that's 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 not good. It's not good for our guys. It's not good for the for the state. It's not good for the community. A player, but we have to have success. I don't buy into it's the SEC and we can't compete at the SEC. BS. Go get the players. You know, go get go get the coaches to get the players. I don't buy into that BS that no one wants to come up there. No one wants to coach there. That's BS. We got the wrong goddamn people. I think we got the wrong people calling the shots. Mm-hmm. You hear me? We got the wrong people calling calling the shots. Yeah. Let me say it like that. I'm, I'm gonna call it what it is. We got people that don't that have little to no knowledge of what it takes to play in this conference. 
making decisions. All right? We don't, I don't see any former Hall players up there as coaches. Mm-hmm. All right? That, that's frustrating. Has a punter on the board. Of huh? Trust. I said I think the board of trustees has one punter. What the hell is that? <laughs> so, um, I can't yeah, you, no, you're right, Greg. That's, yeah, there's not even. I think the coaches' staff now is kind of for next year's kind of got rounded out. No uh, former hog, former hogs on it. We what? talked about that with Limbo a couple of weeks ago that he wanted to see one before it got. Still didn't didn't happen. It's kind of frustrating. Well, it is it's frustrating on many levels. But what you're really saying is that there aren't anyone out there that's doing the job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear nothing about qualifications either. That's bullshit too. <laughs> okay, I mean, if if you got you got people, if Marjorie said he would do it, then you go talk to Marjorie Hill. God dang it! If he said he he'd go up there and do it. They'll sit up and say, we can't find people. We can't. Now, what I've come to understand is we got a lot of people with egos. Okay? And a lot of the egos is is about me and, and my money. Well, what about us? I mean, it, it, it's, it's frustrating being down here in Texas and we can't win, can't compete. Mm-hmm. We 2 and 10, two years in the go, and I got to hear all these people from Oklahoma talking trash. You know, then got to hear the people in Texas talking. You got people at Texas Tech talking trash. Come on, man. You know, how are they getting players to go to Texas Tech and we can't get to go to Fayetteville? Oh, yeah. That's who we got exactly. calling the shot. Exactly. So, you know, I, I had people there on a couple other stations telling me that we can't, that we don't, we don't have players in the Little Rock area. B.S. But they can't go to Fayetteville, but they can go to LSU, they can go to Memphis, they can go to Auburn. You see? So that those are those are frustrating things to me there. You got people there that want to come up there. Well, we can't do this. Yes, you can. You go find them. Yeah. How does Texas do it every year? Even though they don't win, I'm glad they don't win. I hope they never win. <laughs> but they keep getting a top 10 recruit class all the time. They listen to their former players. If a player calls, say, man, we got a kid over, come check him out. They don't shun them. They don't act like we don't know. Or we don't We don't have no understanding of what's going on. We want our institution to be successful, too. Exactly. And so who who we going to get? I don't know. We, we need to get some players that, that can play, players that want to play. I don't care about the stars on the side of their heads and, you know, I want some guys that want to play and that and that can play, and you know that that's been the most frustrating thing around. We haven't been able to get enough guys that can play and then coach them to where they play with that that attitude, play with that that chip on their shoulder. Those are the things we need to reestablish. And then you know we gotta have a trigger, got to have a trigger man. <laughs> yeah. Got to have someone that can that can. Got got to have a trigger man. I don't think we've had the best trigger man over the last ten or twelve years, and and so I'm honest on that one too. And where do you get them? They and that bullshit. You gonna tell them that they all come from Springdale and Fayetteville? You got a whole world out here, and the best quarterbacks coming out of Springdale and Fayetteville. Come on, man, please. Y'all can sell somebody else on that crap there. 
I'm telling you that that is that is not true. Yeah, I, I felt the same way that we needed to expand our recruiting out more. It looks like we are too. I mean, it looks like we've started to do that. We we started to pull some guys from, you know, some uh, different states and and stuff. And we're not like, you know, you hear that. Oh, we gotta focus on Texas, or we gotta focus, you know, on on uh, here, there, and, and and that's one of the big ones. It's, oh, we gotta focus on Texas. Like, why? Well, I mean, we live in a global society at this point. You know? <coughs> we should be able to pull whoever we need, you know, from wherever it is. Uh, just but you gotta have someone that that that, that brings them though, Chad. You, you, oh yeah, now, you're right. You're right. You gotta get out there and find them. You gotta look for them. You gotta be proactive in that. You can't sit back and hope they come to you. Well, I, well, the advantage Texas has over Arkansas is we have an athletic period. Okay, we we have an athletic period. We have. Well, you may have on some of your schools maybe four coaches, five coaches. We have 11 football coaches. Yeah. Okay? Well, you may have 20 guys on your team. We got 60 guys on our team, 75. We filled in three or four teams. All right? Uh, that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage. Uh Health care is an advantage. <laughs> you know, having having lunch is an advantage. We we have we have all this stuff here in Texas. Our facilities. You may have three or four schools that have an indoor arena. Every school here in Texas has an indoor arena, and in 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 the top classification, all of them have sixty million dollar football stadiums. So we have an advantage there. We play year-round here. Most of our football players and basketball, they don't share players. They have a training program that's built in, an athletic program that's built into their school. That's an advantage. And if people don't want to recognize that, they're really missing the boat because that's what we do in the state of Texas. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. My junior year, we played a district football game. You know, a district where in Arkansas they play conference, and we play districts, okay? Same thing, just different words. Yeah. Okay. I played in front of 22,000 people my my junior year in a district game. Wow. That's impressive. 22,000. <laughs> people laughing. It's on YouTube. You can see it on YouTube, dude. That's how good our teams were then. 22,000 for a district game. The smallest crowd I played in front of that year was 14,000, and that's because Brownwood Stadium only held 14,000. <laughs> this is high school. In the eight, in the eight, for the state championship game in Texas last or two weeks ago, with Dungerville played against North Shore. I think there was 33,000. We played that in 82, my junior year, 19,000, my senior year against Odessa Permian. I can't ready to play college ball because <laughs> we were playing in front of big crowds like that. Yeah, yeah, you weren't. We played some games on Saturday nights. We would travel and, and stay in the hotel 
on Friday night and play Saturday night. So there's an advantage that we've had here in Texas for a while. And I'm, I'm telling you now, go to, go to Allen, Texas, and look at their high school football stadium. Go to McKinney, Texas, and look at their football stadium. Go to Prosper, Texas, and look at their football stadium. That's my district where I coach now. Those are fifty million dollar stadiums. <laughs> wow. Tell me what fifty million dollar stadium you had there at any high school in in the state of Arkansas. Ooh, uh, none. And I none. Being down here in Florida, coaching down here in Florida, where I'm at, you know, we got a lot of big time, you know, programs down here. We don't have anything like that. And the crowd size, even at state championship games, doesn't get that big. And a lot of the facilities that you mentioned you know we don't have um down here unbelievable and it's, it's I'm, you know tim tim i'm telling you right now bro go on the go on the, on your website and look at mckinney house mckinney independent okay. school district football stadium look okay. at the prosper high school football stadium in prosper texas look at the allen football stadium that's my district man i'm not talking about Houston, they'll pass. I'm talking about what well, we play every week, our district. They built these big old, what are they, museums <laughs> <laughs> to play football games in, in high school. And that's how serious the people take this stuff. That's how serious it is. So, yes, you better recruit Texas. Yeah. Okay? Well, I'm not saying but you better, recruit, you better recruit Little Rock. You better you better get the four or five best players you got in the state of Arkansas. You come get you four or five in the Dallas Metroplex. You get you four or five out of Houston. Get you two or three out of Alabama, Oklahoma, Kansas City, and get you 25 that way. Because whenever Arkansas has ever been a good program or we had some success consistently, you had – 15 to 18 players from Dallas, 15 to 18 from Houston, 15 to 18 out of Little Rock, 5 to 7 out of Kansas City, and then the rest throughout the state of Arkansas or Tulsa. Mm -hmm. I'm not lying to you. Go look at it. Go look at it. And the people of Arkansas say that's not true. Look at it. Every roster we've ever had, you can go and see. Whenever we've had those 10, 11 win seasons, See where the majority of the players are coming from. Yeah, I know. Even and people. Uh, sorry, Gray. I was I was going to say I know no. um, uh, some of the Houston Nut years when he had some really good talent. He, he was bringing a lot of guys in from Texas. I know Shino uh, had several too. But there's there's plenty of players to go around because, like you said, y'all take it so seriously. Even too possibly. many players to go around. <laughs> even even though even, even though you have so many big universities. Uh, uh, that make up, you know, even the Big Twelve, and not not even included SMU and the likes like that. There's still there's still plenty guys we need to get on down there to. But we also got to get back into recruiting Little Rock. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You, you oh, can't yeah. get all your players out of Green Greenwood or, and Springdale and Fayetteville. Think you're gonna play on a national level? Yeah, I, you, I you, agree. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And people keep all the money's all up in Little Rock, and we got the alumni say we got to get this kid. Dude, please. 
No, please stop trying to sell the folks on that. That that's that's not true. Yeah. And uh, and not every player in the state of Texas can play. I'm not saying that. But I'm I am saying anytime we've been better, that's what we had. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I can agree with that. I think getting down into Florida is a good thing too. And and like I said, I think if you look nationally, I think there's always some some talent that's overlooked that we can <coughs> we can pull in nationally also instead of just you know focusing our effort on those areas. But I agree with you and what you're saying. I think that you do get a diverse talent pool of players from those areas, and we have have been successful in the past pulling players uh, from those areas. So, yeah, I totally agree. Well, I think, you know, we could sit here, Greg, all night and, and talk Razorback football. But uh, I think we gotta we got to cut it short. I would like to say to you, uh, behalf of the fans at the University of Arkansas, thank you for breaking that color barrier. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to <laughs> apologize to you for getting booed. Uh, yeah, stepping no out kidding. onto the field. Because that's... Uh, wrong. And, hey, and we appreciate a, it, does, it, it is what it is. Because without it, it is where we are now. I, you know, things people are people. I don't, I don't worry about it. It bothers me a little bit as an eighteen-year-old. You know, it, it doesn't. I understand it as a fifty-five-year-old now, but as an eighteen-year-old, it was it was crazy. You know, it it is what it is. And it wasn't everybody, but it was enough that, that we knew. It's enough that uh, teammates can recognize and say something to you. Mm-hmm. Then you got to deal with it. But it was different. It was different. Everyone was different. Now, take take all those victories. When, when it'll, it'll come up again when they say, oh, we had 84 to 88 or 87 most victories in school's history, bro. Till that is top, or top, I'm gonna love it every day. You can't take that away. I'll, I'll take that. Ain't nothing like being a hog. Ain't nothing like playing. You know, I got brothers there that I talk to on a, on a regular basis, and it's nothing like, you know, hearing that whoop pig suey and hearing the fight song and and you know people loving that. I mean, it, it is the greatest feeling, and we. I, I know all my teammates want that to, to come back, uh, and we're, we're waiting for that day because the state needs it. Um, ain't nothing like being a hog. I just say that. It's nothing like being a hog. And you don't, you can never take it for granted. No, and shouldn't. And, and the people deserve us to, to find a way to get this program back and, and be competitive and, and you know, hit, hit that hog fight song, man. Ain't nothing like hit that line, hit that line. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest oh. thing for me was, you know, standing on the sidelines, you, you hear the hog call, but you actually feel it in your body. And, like, the vibration of all the fans, and it's just something special about that. And then running through the A, those two things are just, you know, memories that you just, that are into your soul after you get to experience it. So. And well, that and, and, and the, the the crowd in Little Rock, I'm telling you, that was more electric than the crowd in Fayetteville. Was hearing that going Little Rock. I used to say the same thing. We'd pull <laughs> up in the bus and they'd be rocking the buses. 
Like, Philly, yes. you're going to flip them over. Just fire. <laughs> the police escort. The police escort. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the police escort. Yeah, I mean it's it, it is nothing. It's second to nothing. and people people just don't remember what it was like. I mean, it's like the Cowboys here in in in, in Dallas. You have it's been thirty years since we had that kind of uh, consistent success, and when you don't see and you don't hear, you don't you don't. You don't know what it's like. And, and these kids today don't know what it's like to cheer for the Hawks on a consistent basis. So that that's the goal, to get the program back. I'm hoping Coach Pittman will uh, will do that, you know, like what Coach Mustard doing in basketball about the watch that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, we already know what's going on in baseball. So, <laughs> the fans deserve it, man. You know, all home people deserve it. You know, pig, the pig people been waiting for it, and we just hope it comes back. It's coming. And Greg, it come back soon. And Greg, I want to say, uh, I know you're from Texas. It's so awesome. You, you know, you come from out of state, and you become hog, talking about the hog call and the, the fight song. Me and Chad both grew up in Arkansas our whole lives. It was kind of ingrained in our families, but it's so awesome to hear you know, you come up here and play, and just you know, you're forever a hog, and it's that's I just I love hearing that. Well, it, hey, enough of it's tattooed on my body, like like <laughs> all real hogs have done. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, we put the hog. The hog is somewhere on the body, thanks to Joe Falcon and all the, all the track guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, it, it's it, it is special. I promise you, it's special. And uh, and the goal again is for us to. To come back out and and play at that level again, and to where people want to go. They, I tell every, all the kids that I'm with at school, if you don't want to stay in the state of Texas, go on a three hour drive, three and a half hour drive up to Fayetteville, get you a quality education, you know the the most beautiful campus in the SEC, and it, you you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Oh yeah. Thank you so much, well, Greg. I think we're going to appreciate it, fellas. We're going to oh, go yeah. to a uh, commercial break here, and uh, we just really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Greg. Hey, appreciate everything y'all are doing. Of course. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a good night. Thank you, Greg. You too. All right. Back to the Hog Call Podcast. Well, welcome back, everybody. So, we got a couple new football coaches hired. We got uh, Smith coming in, and we got LeBlanc. Or LeBlanc. LeBlanc? Which one is it? It's the, the it's supposed to be, I guess, LeBlanc. It says the C sound. Okay. It's, it's spelled like LeBlanc, which sounds cooler, but hey, I mean, yeah. he's going to make our defense lines a beast. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll make that a silent C for sure. Not have a problem with that at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, then we also got uh, Joseph Henry, uh, who was uh, the tight ends uh, coach for Petrino, and he was a GA uh, at the University of Arkansas when we were there. So, uh, really good guy. But he's coming in as a, a off-field position, I think. Probably some sort of a 
recruiter or something like that, recruiter coordinator, some, some, mm-hmm. uh, something like that, I would guess. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, I think both these guys, you know, are, are you know good coaches. I think they're going to come in and and uh, do well for us. Uh, you know, of course, Smith uh, was a, a at Georgia uh, a high school coach, and, and uh, you know he he did really well there uh, doing that. And then uh, you know he went over to Georgia State and he coached there for a little while and and also. You know, I think he's going to be a a good uh, coach. I think he knows what's what he's doing. He knows what's up, and uh, yeah, I think it's just you know, I, w- I I guess I really wanted Tim Horton in that position as running back coach, but um, I'm happy with who we got. I think he's got a lot of experience, uh, and he'll do pretty well. I uh, wish he had a little more experience at higher levels. I think that's the only thing that kind of, you know, worries me a little bit there. But, uh, again, I'm sure he, he brings a lot to the table if Pittman hired him. Yeah, definitely only one year at the division or any college level. But, man, he was a, he was a B. His teams were B several championships in, in Georgia and a really young guy for that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's an inroad to, to Georgia's recruiting. And Georgia's obviously one of the best states for football, um, high school football. So him combined with Pittman already working there a couple of years, it wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad idea at all to if if we ended up getting some Georgia Georgia uh, kids coming over here and playing. Mm-hmm. And with the you know the budget, they did spend over a million dollars each on trials and Odom. Um, so they weren't you know I think they they said five million dollar budget for all the assistant coaches. So you know some of these are kind of you know even like they did with the with the roads. Um, some of these are some, you know, pretty efficient as far as using the budget hires. Mm-hmm. But some guys that may work out, man, some really, really kind of combination between experience and then you got some young guys yeah. as well. Absolutely. So you got LeBlanc come in and he was over with uh, uh, Kentucky as the defensive line coach over there. He's got a lot of SEC experience. Uh, but, you know, and then what he did at Kentucky was impressive too. I mean, he, he took a... Kentucky team and made them have a pretty decent defense, and, and we found that out when we had to play them. Uh, so you know that's a that's a that's a good hire. I think he's an up and comer. Yeah, and he's definitely got some good experience. Um, to working out, and obviously knows the SEC. Been working at Kentucky, worked at LSU as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Odom played him while he was at Missouri, knew what kind of defensive lines he produced there at Kentucky. So did Pittman going to get some as an offensive line coach at Georgia in the same conference or division even. So they, they were well aware up front what this guy brings to the table on the coaching staff. And I think I agree with you. This is, this is a pretty – he seemed like a good hire when this was named and looked at his resume. It's like, okay, that's a really good one. You know, mm-hmm. some of these maybe going back uh, on another point, you said, yeah, Tim Horton would have been really ideal to get former Razorback. We had talked about it with Limbo and some other podcasts. But with this one, this seems like a definite like art. And this guy looks like he knows what, he, he knows what he's doing with the defensive line, and that's an area, mm-hmm. area we – need some you know we haven't been putting pressure on the quarterbacks at all um you know we've been decently stopping run but pressure on quarterback has been lacking so hopefully mm-hmm. he can turn those guys into some really good pass rushers exactly 
And then bringing in Joseph Henry, you know, you got a, a guy that really knows the University of Arkansas, really understands our culture, um, has been around the, the um, ranks at uh, FAMU and, and several different colleges, just Perry View, everything after he graduated. Honestly, should probably have a uh, on-the-field assistant position at a uh, Division One school by now. And he's kind of a... a I felt like he's kind of a steal, you know, uh, being able to pick him up and bring him in. And then you get that Arkansas pedigree. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It's cool that you uh, got to know what he's capable of. Maybe still he works his way up and another guy, guy uh, does really well and moves on to a coordinator position or head coaching job somewhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can step up in one of those positions. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, you know, we made some good hires. Um, I'm excited about them, and I think we're going to be able to uh, to roll with those guys and, and make some stuff happen. I guess the question on everybody's mind right now, we got to answer the talk about the elephant in the room. we got Mike Leach over at Mississippi State, always wanted the University of Arkansas job, uh, and, you know, he, he's somewhere else now. Of course, he's the same guy that stuffs kids in the closets whenever they're not catching the football as wide receivers. So, you know, you got to be a little leery of that. And then uh, you got, uh, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin over at Ole Miss. And the good thing about having those two in the same states, you got two really high profile coaches in the same state competing for the same kids. Uh, in the same recruiting area. So hopefully that'll hurt both of them and it'll weaken their teams a little bit, which would be great for us. Uh, that would help us a ton uh, at Arkansas to for them to be able to spread some of that talent between their teams instead of, you know, all uh, Mississippi State having a, you know, let's face it, they've, they've out-recruited Ole Miss the past few years. Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure Kiffin didn't want didn't want Leach taking that job. That's going to be some pretty good interest. It makes the egg the egg bowl um, that on Thanksgiving night really a, a must must watch game between them. You know, it's a game kind of easy can you know you might want to watch for your SEC fan, but not one you just got like I got to make sure you know that one's going to be interesting. I'm mm-hmm. sure Kiffin didn't want them in the same state, let alone the same conference and division. Exactly. I mean, look at our division right now. We got, you know, uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher. We got, uh, you know, Orgeron. We got uh, Malzon. I mean, it's ridiculous right now. The coaches in our division of the SEC, and even though we got Sam Pittman, I still feel pretty comfortable because of the offensive coordinator and the defense coordinator hire, and I'm hopeful that he will let them do their jobs and be a CEO type of a uh, coach. And he even alluded to it and said, like, it was important for him to do that as a head coach. So to me, I feel like he's he's going to be a better coach than a lot of people are, are thinking he will be. And, and the hires we have – as far as like you know our offensive coordinator defensive coordinator even our you know position coach hires have just been knockout really good staff much more exciting than the staff that uh 
you know, the previous coach brought in. I don't remember nearly this excitement about any of them. Definitely wasn't. I mean, there was a little bit for Chavis, but there was still worries, which mm-hmm. ultimately ended up being right that, you know, without the, the you know, LSU uh, kind of talent, maybe he was kind of, you know, had his best times. Or best times were past him, you know, and maybe a little worried that I am. But still, you had the chief. You know, hey, um, but then Craddock was just a no-name OC hire um, with no with no valuable big big any kind of experience like that that really got you confident. Some of the other positions, just like wow, you just never you didn't know anybody, you didn't know anybody, recognize mm-hmm. besides Chavis. And it was just, uh, well, just hoping for some diamonds in a rough, and it just didn't work out. It's kind of seen, I haven't seen a whole lot of those guys really taking, getting big time offers, you know, going to other SEC schools or Division yeah. One schools. I mean, if we just got a little spark, it'd all be different. Yeah. Well, I think I think if we gave more third year, that, uh, you know, we would have got more of the offense installed and really, we really picked it up. <laughs> can, you, can you take that out? Take that part. I don't want anybody cutting that up and be like, "Listen to what the hog call podcast man." Anyone worse for thirty years? I can't believe you just said that out loud. I'm, I'm excited that he's over at Auburn. I think he's gonna <laughs> make them horrible. I can't wait. Yeah, they were they lost to Minnesota by a couple touchdowns in the bowl game. Even though he was he was still up there, just had his stink on the stink on the field. I don't think any team he's with is gonna win more than two games a year. So I'm yeah, excited to see what Auburn season one's up looking like. Malzahn's gonna get fired. He's gonna get that hell of a buyout, man. man I was really quick I'm, too. They're just looking for a reason. I know. I don't want, want to root for Morris to have good offenses where where Malzahn's good enough to keep his job. But I really wanted the scenario where there there he does just enough this year again to a nine game win or eight game. He does enough next year, but then he gets fired after you know zero and five start or one and five start. And Morris takes over and he comes to Fayetteville next year when Auburn comes back back up here and just. What a crowd just booing, just booing Morris when he steps on. <laughs> I just want that, you know, as a head coach, as an interim coach. I mean, it'll still be the same way. I mean, a double boo on Miles on Morris next year. But you know what? That scenario sounds good, but the them them going 2-10 this year sounds even better. I kind of like that scenario where Miles on gets fired and Morris is the interim coach. We're throwing things at him as he comes out of the tunnel. Yeah, you know that that crowd would be nuts. Because if you're gonna Hopefully. boo somebody, that's the perfect time to like. That's that's who that's who deserves it. That's that's the kind of you know, yeah for sure situation you know, where it's deserved. You know, you've seen a lot of these coaches leave their leave their programs or their jobs and leave a note. Like even Moorhead, he gets fired in January, and he he comes out at least with a statement: "Hey, thank you, Mississippi State. Thank you, fans, and all this." And Morris hadn't said one one damn word to anybody about the, you know, nothing. Yeah. Even Bielema came and said, I'm, he, "He even had a press conference crying after he got fired, and was man enough to at least say, I'm sorry, I you know didn't do enough to to win here." Morris is even a bigger wuss for not saying a word. So. That crowd will be nuts again, booing him as soon as he his goofy ass walks out there. He deserves it, every bit of it, every single oh, what, bit of it. 
What do you bet Malzahn puts them up in the press box, at least that game? They'll probably lose a couple games before that. Like, we're switching it up. You know, Chad just behind the scenes just begging. Gus, 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 I, 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 really, I really think I need to need to be in the press box this game. <laughs> that was a terrible impression, but you get oh, it. Oh, I like it. I just love that. I'm not going to have to listen to you. I'm going to give spark, yes. Put me in the press box. Unacceptable? Jesus Christ. I feel Sorry. bad. I shouldn't be picking on the guy, but he kind of deserves it at the same time. So. And I'm not, he doesn't have it. I'm not saying and, he has a speech impediment or anything like it, that when I'm saying he that. I'm just saying he's just a goober yeah. that doesn't know what to say. Yeah, exactly. He's more trying to think of his words, stumbling over his words. You know? Stumbling over. Yeah. Well, we don't yeah. want to make, you know, it's not, obviously we don't want to make light of anybody that has some sort of a issue where they are, you know, stuttering or whatnot. No, we no, don't want to be insensitive to that. But at the same time, Morris sounds kind of dumb when he talks. <laughs> so. He's just a 4-20 and coach, head mm. coach. Um... Sorry, that was a stupid rant went on. It just I went back to the greatest hits of the hot call podcast that got us football two football seasons of more spin bad. So I just had to get a little bit more out of my system. But all right, so Chandler didn't even go over to he went over to Oklahoma, right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't even go over His to all like, man, I'm not I'm I'm not playing. It's like over there. It's like I watched. I mean, I, I'm definitely going over to Oklahoma. It's like, <laughs> You don't want to join the son? looking for a reason. So what do you, you think? see those quarterbacks? I guess, I guess he talked to, you know, Malzahn. He said, you know, it's cool for, you know, Chad not to work on Saturdays so he can go over and see the games and stuff. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, to be, you know, it was a possibility. He probably won't even be at the cool. game. He'd probably be flying in over there, you know. I mean, he only plays for... Four years. It, well, it makes sense, Chad. Malzahn doesn't, doesn't want anybody else calling plays but him. So how does he make sure he's the lone guy calling the calling the shots? Send Chad over there. Yeah, go see your son play there. Absolutely. What? He's a redshirt freshman. He's not gonna, he's not getting on the field this year. Ah, that's fine. Stay over here. We'll just. He's got something on Dabo and Gus. Family's important. Uh, yeah. So. Well. I don't know. I guess that's that's about all I got. It's just crazy. Crazy the amount of awesome, amazing coaches in SEC West right now is insane. SEC East is horrible. Uh always has been. And uh I guess they probably always will be, you know. So <laughs> well, I mean look who they got. They got an Appalachian State coach. Alright, they got Kirby Smart over there who's He's average. He's going to be a good average coach, you know. And he always going to look more than average because he's playing in that, you know, that side of the, the conference. You know, you got the Must champ. state coach down at down at Florida. You got, yeah, yeah Must champ who couldn't make it at Florida over <laughs> South Carolina. Not doing any better. Yeah. I mean. In Vanderbilt. Well, and, that, and you know, it's easy to beat up Vandy, but they got such good grades up there. You just you just almost don't want to do it. 
And then Kentucky, which is obviously a basketball school. Always have been, always will be. They really don't care how good or bad their football program is. So it's hard to win when you're in that atmosphere of, you know, just staleness, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. But here we are in the West. Man. I think we should have... Think we'd been better off in the Big Twelve or something like that. Oh no, man! I mean, I'm sure we'd win more. <laughs> One of these days, the football program's gonna get it right again. Glad we didn't. We didn't make the move. We just kept collecting that big old SEC check. We well, heard stuck Greg it out earlier. We got he said again. the SEC was horrible, and the Southwest Conference is where it was at. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially then, man. I guess yeah. in the '80s. Oh, well, anyway, I think that's about all I got, um, unless you have anything else. I don't think so. I think that covers it pretty good. The funny thing I did just see is, uh, I guess, uh, Washington State running back where Mike Leach left from. I guess Leach tweeted out this picture of uh, uh, Wolf Earl doing the cowbell in on SNL, and the uh, Washington State running back replies, Mood knowing I will be rushing more. <laughs> so he never ran the ball at Washington State. So I'm definitely yeah. get more. Well, maybe you don't know who they're going to hire as a coach. Oh, something's got to work. I mean, Washington State was terrible before he came there. Yeah. So, oh, well, careful what you wish for getting Beelum up there. Just running it all the time. <laughs> well, I think Beelum has taken a defensive coordinator job in the NFL. That's what they're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get over at Washington State, man. It is late in the year to be hiring a football coach. <laughs> I felt bad for him. I did too, man. Just like, really? Old Miss was like, or I mean, Mississippi State was like, you know what? I bet we can get Leach. Let's go ahead and fire a coach. And they probably had that up their sleeve the whole time. Yeah. Just I don't know. Reached out, somebody reached out from the Leach party and was just. Mike's, Mike's really thinking he he really been wanting an SEC job. He's Arkansas hadn't even you know they've talked to him but passed him over twice. Mm-hmm. He's looking really looking to whip Arkansas's ass. If I'm Washington State, I'm talking to Skip Holtz. Honestly, yeah. that'd be a good hire for him. Or what do you think, Fritz? Willie Fritz, <laughs> get him over there. Oh yeah, well, Willie Fritz is going to get one of these jobs one of these days. Well, that's about it, folks. Blue Pig Suey. Go Hogs.